0: Morning show, the breakfast club.
1: Man, what the hell is this? Man, breakfast club, bitches.
2: I'm glad they put y'all together. Y'all are like a mega force. Y'all just took over every no. Wake your
1: punk ass up. This is Chris Brown. I've officially joined the breakfast club. Say something, motherfucker. I'm with it. The world's most dangerous morning show, breakfast club, bitches. Wake
0: up, wake up. Wake your ass. This is your time to get it off your chest.
1: Damn,
0: damn, damn. Whether you're mad or blessed, we want to hear from you on the breakfast club.
1: Hello, who's this? Yo, good morning. Good morning, Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good Good morning. morning. Get it off your chest, brother. Yeah, well, I don't really got nothing to get off my chest. I just want to say that, you know, me and my wife, we just closed on our house last week. Congrats, man. Congratulations, King. No doubt. I I appreciate it. I want to give my flowers for all three of y'all. I listen to y'all every morning. I'm a truck driver. I'm out here doing my thing. You know, I moved from New York and I live down in Georgia now. You know, and I listen to you. you guys have done a lot for the community, for everybody. Charlemagne, you are the man.
3: Thank you, King.
1: And Angela Yee, you're a beautiful queen. Congratulations on everything you got going on. Thank you. Beat DJ Envy, how can
0: a brother get a big truck in the car show? Let's do this.
4: Um, I mean, I have no problem putting a big truck in the car show. Is it just a, is it customized or is it just a, a regular 18 wheeler?
1: Yeah. No, it's, it's customized, right? You know, I did my interior, I did my life, you know, running life, all of that. All right. Well, you know, we, we I'm t- trying to get it on. Well, I'm glad that I got to. Wow, I'm on the radio. Let's do this. All right. Congrats, brother. Peace, yeah. King. All right, bro. Y'all, y'all be good,
5: man. Have a great day. God bless all three of y'all.
4: You too now, brother. Hello, who's this? Oh, this is A-Rod. A-Rod, what up? Get it off your chest. Um,
1: it's been in my chest for about two months now. I just want
3: to ask Charlamagne that, um, why can't you accept that Mr. Kill everything is better than Michael Jackson? Man, shut your, shut up. <laughs> have a, have, I'm sending you healing energy, my brother. Have a great day, okay? All right? Well, why? you just calling up here to raise my blood Please pressure. Your
4: case. Why you think Drake is better than Michael Jackson? I'm not sir?
3: having this conversation.
4: Why not? That's, How
3: old are that's you? That's
1: you got? I'm 23. Exactly. So, so, Mr. So, so Mr. Do Right, seen Drake himself is now the greatest rapper, of all
3: time. Could you, um, could you, could you like just you know go do something with your life, sir? You don't got <laughs> nothing you could be doing this morning. You ain't got a job you can go to. Something go help your mama clean her basement. Like, is there anything you could do? Um, I don't want I you. I don't. I don't. Hard, I don't. I, don't I'm, I hate I that. I'm just asking you
1: that. Why can't you accept that? I'm mean, not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not
3: having this conversation with you on why Michael Jackson is better than Drake. You know about to raise my blood pressure early this morning. Okay. Hey, you I mean, ever seen the? I mean, hey, you ever I, seen that meme with that old man eating breakfast, and the young man asking him a dumb question? He said, "Man, just shut the f- up." I don't even think that uh,
6: Drake would say that he's better than Michael Jackson. You don't think so? No. Well, you have a
4: good morning. Where you on your way to work? To where you work, bro? Um, I'm working Uber right now. All right. I'm I Always listen
5: to you guys On the radio every day I appreciate everybody Love all oh y'all yeah. Man
3: I man, pray to God you. That I never get in the Uber With you man Can you imagine I, being In the backseat of the Uber And then the Uber driver Be like Hey man why you think Drake better than Michael Jackson Let me out right now then take the long way To his crib <laughs> One star asking, Just keep asking And just start
4: playing Drake music one, star. Over over one star And over One star Alright <laughs> I man have a good
3: one <laughs> By right, the way well. so, Yeah salute to Drake But come on man Stop asking stupid questions Drake and Michael Jackson There's only one Michael Jackson One Get, 101.
4: Get it off your chest. 800-585-1051. There's only one drink, too.
3: The Breakfast Club.
0: <laughs> this is your time to get it off your chest, whether you're mad or blessed. So you better have the same energy. We want to hear from you on The
1: Breakfast Club. Hello, who's this? Uh, this is Jay. Jay, what up? Get it off your chest, bro. Man, I got dealt 30. I got played. You know, I feel like crap. But... Uh, What's
6: the matter? What's the I matter?
1: Big, I, I had a business partner. Me and him went in the business together. And, you know, I gave I gave everything. Um, I even went and got that SBA loan. And he did, too. And we went and went in the business together, got our own truck and everything. And he went behind my back, got another truck, and okay. all this funny stuff. Went to the accounting without me. Everything. And uh, wow. now here I am. I'm left with nothing. I had to... I, I had to even bail where I was living at. I'm, I'm back with my parents. Like, I'm starting oh my to square one all over again.
6: I am so hey sorry ho, now. I'm sorry, bro. Oh, so y'all, y'all didn't have a contract with each other? No,
1: nah, he was my homeboy. Me, me and him went through, like, three jobs together. You know, he introduced me. We, we met at the same job. He found another one, got me on, and then I found a better one so we could get our class A CDLs, and I brought him with I me. I just too. wanted... be we, we homeboys.
6: I just want to say, man, I have started a business with somebody I've known since I was like in fifth grade. But, you know, in the future, because I do feel bad that this happened to you, make sure you do an operating agreement when you start a business with somebody because you have to have your paperwork right. You never know what might happen. That way, legally, you'll be able to say. But even though you could be best friends, family members, married, but if you do have a business together, do make sure you have an operating agreement and have a real lawyer invest in that. Because when things go left, you need to make sure. And and a lot of times, things do go left in business. Y'all don't even want to have to have that conversation. It's just all in the paperwork.
1: Yeah, see, now, how I feel now is, like, you know, i want to get back to that state. Like I said, I'm still off the ground here. You know, I ain't never, I ain't giving up. But... Right. And now you got something to prove. Yeah, Mm -hmm. yeah. I want to get back to that state. But I want to do it for me. I'm going to do it myself, you know, and...
6: You got this. You learned a lot. You
1: learned a lot. yeah. Uh, already taken an L, right? Mm-hmm.
6: Yeah, no, yeah, you took an L, but that L also means learn from it.
4: Yeah, it's a, it's a learning experience. Good luck, brother.
5: Hello, who's this? What's up, man? It's Big Ruben, man, from St. Louis, Missouri. What
4: up, Ruben? Get it off your chest, what bro. Up,
5: man. Hey, I just want to say first off, man, appreciate everything y'all do. Love all y'all, especially my girl, Angela E. But uh, heard, the, heard the announcement for the Super Bowl performances, man, and I was like you. I was hyped, man, and then. Get on the radio. We got this negative Nancy Charlamagne, the gizzard man. Just kind of, you know, ain't no wrong with their performances, man. I think it's going to be a good show. Let
3: me ask you a question, sir. Why do you think it's negative to ask why are legends in hip hop? have to share a stage collectively when you got people like the Katy Perry's of the world and whoever else who don't even have the resume they do, they get their own solo show. And I asked a question. I said, I wonder if that was a prerequisite to them performing because they don't let acts like that perform at the Super Bowl. Let's be clear. So I was wondering, was that a prerequisite? Or, you know, I just was
5: asking a question. That's all. Besides, besides maybe like a Michael Jackson or um, Whitney Houston, it's it's always been shows where artists are coming on with rock groups with rappers out there with them. So this ain't the first time that happened, man. Everybody except Mary is from Cali, man. So Eminem is not from that. there. Eminem's from Detroit. Shut Eminem's up. Eminem's not from there, but damn, he's been on all West Coast music. That's Drake, boy. Dre brought him. Out. That's not
3: true either. But my point is, I, I, if if you're not wondering that, then you're just not thinking. I was just wondering why they had to do it as a collective. I love the show. I think it's a great lineup. But I'm just wondering why you, they man. had to do it as a collective. I
5: love y'all, too, man. I love you, too, dog. I appreciate everything. Well, thank you, you for calling in. Like I said, this morning hey, yeah. when I heard that, man, I was hype. And, bro, you're from you from know St. Louis, correct? Like, huh? you from St. Louis, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Start
4: look look at look at property in St. Louis. Real estate in St. Louis is 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 at a good price right now and it's starting to increase a lot. So look at real estate in St. Louis. That's my next stop.
5: All right, right on, man. Make an announcement when you coming there. If y'all do a seminar, so I definitely want to be a part of. It.
4: Now I ain't doing no seminar. I'm just oh, telling maybe- you. Start looking at property in St. Louis. Start googling. Go to the websites because I'm hearing there's a lot of great deals and they're starting to build up the city a lot more.
6: Well, maybe you should do a seminar there then.
4: Maybe but thank you brother get it off your chest 800-585-1051 if you need to vent phone lines are wide open call us up now it's the breakfast club good morning
0: the breakfast club
4: morning everybody it's dj NV, angela Yee, Charlemagne the guy we are the breakfast club we got a special guest in the building uncle ralph ralph mcdaniel yes yes, indeed. Sir. yes sir
7: hey good to be here breakfast club i'm 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 honored right now. No, we are honored to have you here, man.
6: <laughs> Congratulations! You
7: here. Thank you so much
6: for the documentary on Video Music Box. Yeah, I
3: watched it yesterday. I was I was hungover, so I was laying on the couch and I just turned it on. Oh, good. Yeah, I thoroughly enjoyed it. No, it oh, thoroughly great. enjoyed it. it was man. such a staple.
6: It was really great here man. in the tri-state area. I remember it was Video Music Box and it was New York Hot Tracks.
7: Yes, yes, yeah. You showing your age now with New York Hot Tracks? That's
6: Track. right. To, I didn't have cable. Right, and right. So if I wanted to see videos, the only place back then you really could see it if you caught one of those shows. Yes, Channel
7: 31. Yes, Channel 31. And uh, you know, look, this has been something that we've been wanting to do. I've been working on this project for 10 years. So we went through a bunch of hoops to get through Showtime and Mass Appeal. And then Nas came in and said, I want to get this right. And I almost cried when he said that, because wow. I, <laughs> I was like, what are you talking about, bro? How do you go through all that footage? Yeah. like Because you have a
4: lot of footage. Now, if you don't know, Video Music Box is a, it's a video show that started off playing hip hop videos when nobody else would. Right. Uh, It was on, it wasn't on cable, so it was channel 31, one of the high channels, and after school we'd all run home to go watch it. Yes. But you have footage of years, man. How did you go through the footage to decide what you're gonna put in this documentary? Because the documentary was what, 90 minutes?
7: 90 minutes, yeah. It could've went to me for three hours, and it would've been interesting, but you know, Showtime was like, easy, take it easy, pal. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, but you know, we filled up that 90 minutes with so much stuff, and you know, so many interviews were left on the editing floor, um, it was difficult to, to really shave it all down to 90 minutes. But, you know, you got the 80s and the 90s. I said the 90s are super important. Let's make sure that we got the 90s and make, make sure we got a more, more of that than the 80s because there's a lot more people around from the 90s. So let's touch on that. And I like the 90s era myself mm-hmm. from a my perspective.
3: Such a such a full circle moment for you. to You did this first video. Yes. And then for him to be executive producing this with, with Mass Appeal, man, how did that feel?
7: Um, Nas came in and I looked at him and I said, you know, you know, this is something that I think you're going to enjoy. And originally he was the executive producer. He wasn't the director. Mm -hmm. And then he somewhere in the middle said, no, I'm going to direct this and I want to get this right, Ralph. And, and I just was, you know, it was, you know, like I did, it ain't hard to tell the first single Mm -hmm. off of, um, Illmatic, I directed that and this thing called the EPK, which was really the thing that really broke Nas in New York because it was uh, uh, like an interview with all the producers and all the people that were involved. I went to his house, hung out in Queensbridge. It was just like a little short documentary that I did for mm-hmm. not. So now he's doing my, you know, my thing I and know, I'm like yeah. bugging. I'm like, wow, like this is the God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's just one of
3: those things, it's like, yo, you never know who's gonna be who. That's why you should show everybody, everybody love. Key,
7: key. Mm-hmm. You know, we see people all the time that come up and I always show people respect because I don't know, first of all, cause I'm from the street and I understand respect the street Absolutely. you know cuz we got to go out there in these in these blocks all the time you know and I'm like no, we don't want no problems out here so mm-hmm. I never know who's who and let's continue to respect it. and I think that people say man you be out here you know, you on the Ave and you in this place, and I'm like, you don't got no bodyguards. They be looking around like, where do I? I'm like, I'm good. We, what's up? I was gonna ask that. You ever
4: got into any 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 problems? Because like with Fat Joe said on the documentary, yeah. You know, I'm on my block and they say Video Music Box got a party down the block, and you were in the Bronx. You were in Brooklyn. You went to L.A. You went to yeah. You went to the hood. You were on Jamaica Avenue. You you yeah. were in the hoods. Did you yeah. ever have a problem at all?
7: Um, you know, we probably did, but my man Beast. Yeah, you highlighted them in the document. Yeah, you, you gave them their love, yeah. Yeah, but Beast was not like my security. He was my friend. You know, like, we weren't like, you know, people. He did security for all these other people mm-hmm. like that, you know, he Wyclef. became known for Wyclef yeah. and everything. And he's known. He's in the Shottis movie. And everybody knows him for Shottis because he blows up the whole place. He's acting. Right. <laughs> but but Beast was official. You know, you know he's official cat, you know? And, and so we kept guys like that. They just hung around. I tell tell people this. A lot of, not beasts, but a lot of the other guys that worked with us all had come home from jail. They needed an opportunity. And I said, Lil, I'm going to give y'all an opportunity to work with me, but y'all can't screw it up, you know? And most of those guys took it and, and ran with it and did the right thing.
6: Now, Video Music Box was really just in the tri-state area, but people knew about mm-hmm. it from all over. Why do you think it never ended up going national?
7: Well, in the doc, I say that I went to MTV and I, there was this concert called um, The Fresh Fresh. Fresh, Fresh. And I went there, and I was like, I saw a mixture of everybody—so white people, black people, Asian people. I said, like, "Oh, this is happening right now." And I went to MTV, and they were like, "No, Middle America is not ready for this, Ralph. You know, it's not happening right now." And I'm like, "There's a tour. It's going out. I got the videotapes. Take a look at it." And they were like, "No, you don't need to pull out the tapes. It's okay. We already know what we're going to do." And then two years later, they did Yo know, MTV Raps, and you know, and people thought, "Oh, Yo, you got to be tight right now." And I wasn't tight then. I was more tight the first time because I knew that it was happening already, and they could have had to jump on it. So my whole career, I've been a little bit early. Mm-hmm. But you know, whatever was going to be was what what is going to be. How did you right. get paid original from Video Music Box? Because there was no commercials. <laughs> we was doing three or four parties in the night, you know, and you know, just and walking away with the money and going, okay, we
3: good. Yeah, you explained <laughs> in the doc that you never actually made money off the show. No, nah.
7: no, because it was at first. It was on a PBS channel. Mm-hmm. And so it was non-commercial, which was great, really, because it gave us the opportunity to to educate where, you know, you can't really do that in commercial world. Like, you we know, don't have no time for that. We got to run commercials, bro. We ain't trying to help the community, mm-hmm. you know. You know, we, we wanted to do a lot of that, and we did do that in the show, so it was a balance of both. And that's how we got through, um, you know, being on that station. All right, we got more with Uncle Ralph, Ralph McDaniels, when we come back. Of course, he's the creator of Video
4: Music Box. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Uncle Ralph.
3: Charlamagne? You know, you got the video of of Big and Nas freestyling. Yeah. You know, (coughs) uh, Jay and Big in the club. All great, but what is your most prized piece of
5: footage?
7: Mm, That's a good question. (laughs) Um, I think for me, um, it's probably Big... And Jay when they did the uh my birthday. Because mm-hmm. that was really kinda like out of the blue. And Jay came and was hosting it and and they and they were both at the early stages of their career. It was like the beginning of uh Rockefeller and the big, you know, beginning of big, you know, at um Bad Boy. And and they just and the place was crowded. You know, this is when people got dressed up and they danced at clubs. Remember mm-hmm. that? <laughs> and, you know, it was just one of those nights where you were like, couldn't call that any better than that. That was mm-hmm. that was a beautiful night. You know, it was like everybody, your peers were there. You know, just you know, one of those one of those shows that was just it was
3: perfect. But like, you didn't realize that those two individuals would become icons. these mythical, yeah, you know, beings that they are now. Right, right,
7: right. You always say, you know, people always ask me, what if Big was alive? What would that be like between him and Jay and Nas? Like, what would that you know, what would that look like? Right mm-hmm. now? I don't know. You know, like, I mean, Nas, you know, is you know, like I'm a fan of like you know poets and you know and Nas is that that kind of spiritual kind of thing. You know, that's how when he started doing my thing, I was like, this is a spiritual dude, man. Like I'm gonna be in a good place. You know, I said I used all I was saying to to Nas was, we gotta have that hip hop soul, bro. Mm-hmm. Not I, you know, cause I watch documentaries. And I'm like, this is mad generic right now. We notice everybody, the, the people notice all this information. We don't need to go through this. Let's get into different stories, and that's what I wanted to do with this. And he was like, got it. And he just started working and making sure that the direction took the right direction. Because we know, yeah, it was the Bronx and we know there was dancers and we know mm-hmm. graffiti. We we know that already. We there's more stories to mm-hmm. us than that, you know?
3: To me the soul comes from your footage. Yes. You know what I
7: mean? Like your footage
3: throughout gives it that warmth yes. that makes it, you know, classic.
7: Yeah, yeah. Nah. I mean and I'm I'm super happy that you know, that we still have the footage, because
3: <laughs> I thought about that too, and when you, whenever you show the room, I'm, I always think about, what if he'd have lost all of that the way RZA lost all that right. music back in the
7: day? Right, yeah, yeah, RZA, you know, lost so many of his masters, but you know, we've been in the last, one thing about the pandemic is it got me to be around and really work on digitizing all of mm-hmm. this content. So I just was like, yo, I gotta get this done, and we started a non-profit, the Video Music Box Collection, and we started raising money for it, and you know, and people started, you know, giving us a couple of dollars. We still raising money for it. I still need money for it. People give me some money, <laughs> mm-hmm. but we—that is what helped us get to the point where we have, you know, you can look at this content and be like, "It's wow, pretty clear," you know, from mm-hmm. thirty years ago. You know, you remember the DVD days yep, yep, yep. and all of that. Mm-hmm. You know, there's guys out there that have content that is super important, man. Restore it. Take care of it. Our history. Hip-hop history is important. History, is, uh, Black history is important. But, you know, sometimes our stuff just p- gets pushed to the side. There's been so many masters and visuals that have been lost over the years. And it's like, wait a minute, somebody just threw that away? Right. Because they didn't think it was important? Like, well, who did that? You know, happens all the time. I was you think there'll this- be
6: a part two, since you said you do have a lot of footage that you weren't even able to use yeah. for this one?
7: Yeah, I told... Um, Showtime, like, yo, we could do two or three more, you know? And some other stories that we got in the in the books. So that's on the plate for 2022. Mm-hmm.
3: I would like to see artists talk about <clears throat> those moments more. Like, I wanted to just hear Nas go more in depth on the big thing. Because he said something in the doc that I didn't know. He was like, yo, him and Big were supposed to start a crew right? Mm-hmm. called The Goodfellas. And mm-hmm. then I was like, well, damn, didn't him and Jay, weren't they going to start the commission, Big and Jay?
4: So I'm
7: right.
3: like, right, what? What would that have looked
7: what like? That look like? Right. <laughs> you know, yeah.
4: looking at all the footage. You ever see people in the crowd? You'd be like, "Look at that artist. Now they're a huge rapper. Look at this person." You you, you ever see some of those?
7: Yeah, you know, I had that conversation with J. Cole because he went to St. John's mm-hmm. University and was a fan of Video Music Box when he was at St. John. And J. Cole was like, "Man, you know, you know, I came to your parties. I came to your events. I know who you are. You know, and this was a young guy." And I was like, "I knew who was music. I I, I was familiar with him." And I was like, yo, I appreciate you, man. You coming up. Same thing with ASAP Rocky. You know, he's like, yo, man, I gotta call my mom. I'm standing next to Ralph McDaniels right now. <laughs> you know, and and ASAP Ferg, I knew his dad, you know. So I see these people in 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 the in the at their young stage. And now to watch, like I did this interview with Ferg and I was like, yo, bro, you doing some amazing things building furniture and cars and all you know, mm-hmm. like that's what we did this for for that to happen. Gotcha. And I saw
3: JD, I saw JD and some footage with
7: Houdini <laughs>
4: yeah, on the dock. I yeah. use that footage all the time too. Yes. you get paid every time I use your footage?
3: Yes. They
0: you,
7: okay, yeah, they, they like it. I know, it.
4: The
6: I know enough yeah. do that.
7: Yeah. How do you want Video Music Box to be remembered? The whole idea of this, uh you're watching Video Music Box film, was to not be forgotten because I could easily see how our history is forgotten, mm-hmm. and the importance of us just giving an artist a little bit of a, of a break. A little bit of three minutes of a, vi- of a music video or a shout out is what catapulted all of these artists that we now know and love into stardom and you know making a whole bunch of money. And there's
6: certain stuff. people whenever they call you should always pick up that phone and say yes what do you need me for mm-hmm. and you're one yes. of those people Ralph McDaniels so thank you just want to put that out there too.
7: Yes thank you so much. Thank you. Uncle, Uncle Ralph.
3: Ralph. Uncle Ralph we appreciate you for
7: Make joining sure us. Make sure y'all go
3: watch that documentary on Showtime man. Definitely. It's on Showtime On Demand right now. Mm-hmm. You're it's- watching Video Music Box.
4: It's Uncle Ralph Ralph McDaniels. It's the Breakfast Club Good Morning.
0: Let's go. Let's go. It's the Breakfast Club.
6: Angela Yee here, and my friends at The General Insurance give you quality car insurance for less. Check out their affordable rates and flexible payment options by calling 800-GENERAL or visiting thegeneral.com. The General Auto Insurance Services, Inc., an insurance agency, Nashville, Tennessee. Some restrictions apply.
0: It's topic time. 800-585-1051 to join into the discussion with the Breakfast Club. Talk about it.
4: Morning everybody. It's DJ NV Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're talking uh institutions. Now we're De-crackification.
3: Talk, uh decrackification. Uh if you saw my show this past Friday on Comedy Central, The God's Honest Truth premiered this past Friday at 10 o'clock and comes on each and, each and every Friday. Uh we talked about decrackification. Let's let's play a clip of me explaining what decrackification is. Decrackification, defined by this, the God's honest dictionary as, the act of ridding a system of its tired ass, racist ass, white supremacist bull Now, was denazification a perfect solution to fixing Germany? No, but not celebrating racists was a step in the right direction to actual healing. Will decrackifying America be easy? Hell no, because America really, really worships its bigots. And I mean, look, it can be done. It got it, it. It happened in Germany, like I like I just explained. They got rid of you know pretty much all Nazi ideology from you know everything from culture to education to politics. America has never even taken a step to do that because we still celebrate racists. We still celebrate bigots by having their names on buildings, by having highways named after them. And to me, you know, if you have you know a name like Jad Gahova mm-hmm. still on the FBI building, that means that his ideologies still live in that building, which which we're discussing this this Friday on uh The God's Honest Truth, by the way. All right. Well, what, what what institutions do y'all think need to be crackified
4: All right, well, let's go to the phone lines. Hello, who's this? Hi, this is a South Florida
8: anonymous tip. I don't really want to say my name. I'm a local coach in the community, and a friend of mine went to a university, and her and several other basketball players have made statements against... Lena Ryan University. Um, Basically, I tagged you guys on Instagram. If you could check, there's a release statement and a lawsuit against the university for basically kicking girls off the basketball program for speaking against racism.
9: Wow.
3: See, that's insane to me. That's what I don't understand.
8: So it's really intense. And like my friend's whole career um, was almost in shambles. I mean, right now she has other offers and everything but she's developing this story with her lawyers and with uh eight other basketball girls okay. um so it's pretty big it's on instagram i tagged you guys if you can look at and it. what's the name of the place it's l-e-n-o-i-r ryan university
4: okay we'll what? look it up all right mama thank you
8: hello who's this hey 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 my name may say, yo yeah no no forget about my name but yo, I'm
4: from
1: Hartford, Connecticut. Uh, peace and blessings to everybody. Shout out, shout out Envy, shout out Charlemagne, shout out ye. But um, bon, crack ass cracker company in Hartford, Connecticut. It's a tr- it's a garbage removal company, but they trash too. When I mean, yo, I was the only <laughs> black dude working in there. I was the only black dude working in there for like, I wanna say, yeah, I ain't gonna say how long I was working there, but like I said, I was the only black dude working there they never brought no other person into the office all of the drivers that they had driving the trash trucks they was all black of course but they had nobody in the office they fired me over some dumbness on top of that i heard this one story i never seen it myself but i heard a story about how one of the drivers went into the garage to get their truck one day boom it's a noose hanging right off
4: their
3: truck he complained about it jesus christ he
4: complained about it two weeks later they doubled down and they put a noose on both of them on both of the mirrors and <laughs> she couldn't say nothing
3: about it after that Wow So we. what's that name of that place again?
4: All Waste All right. when I trash, I mean trash Hello, who's
8: this? Hey, good morning, this is Royale
9: Royale, good morning
8: Boston. Um. So I definitely agree with Charlemagne about that Um. Pretty much, I think There's a bamboo willies on Pensacola Beach, Florida That is very really so racist It's like okay. a factory place that sells like bushwhackers That's what they're known for
3: Okay and they need so, to... You got to decrackify that place?
8: Okay. Yes.
5: <laughs> what happened?
8: <laughs> okay, so this is what happened. Pretty much, he was on the beach, you know, my my son, who is half white, must I say, and I'm a fully black woman, well, he was on a different tantrum. So, at that time, I took him to the bathroom of Bamboo Willys to go and talk to him. Well, there were two white women banging on the door trying to make it seem like I was abusing my son. And I'm like... What are you doing? Mm. And they're like, "This ain't what you want to do. This, you need to let him out of there." Da, da, da. I was like, um, "You need to mind your business. I'm talking to my son. I am the parent here." That's right. So, the bartender, who is a white male, he runs in there, bug-eyed, like, "Oh, what's going on?" I'm seeing them jumping all over me. Okay. So they jumped this you? Other guy?
4: No, no, like screaming. Like, oh,
8: physically, like they was trying to but uh, they're not going to intimidate me okay (laughs) and they were pretty much showing their their white privilege and all this other stuff and and pretty much got the bartender on their side they're out there talking it up serving drinks and all this they're intoxicated obviously well me and my sister we walk up to ask them what the issue was in the bathroom the supposed security who was talking to them like, that was their friend, is like screaming at my sister's face, get the F out of here. I'm going to get the police if you don't get the F out of here. Wow. My nephew runs up, who is 16, fully black. He's like, nobody's going to touch my mother. Do not touch my mother. My father is not here to defend her. Do not. Mm. So he runs, gets the police. They're calling my nephew boy, talking, to, talking about, don't look this way, boy. Lord have mercy. mercy.
3: Lord have mercy.
8: So, fast forward, they get the police, but the police more so sided with me because it was like he could tell they were intoxicated and they was jumping over me for no reason. He was like, "I'm a parent too, so I appreciate that." So, the sheriff's department of Pensacola Beach. Wow! But they definitely showed their white privilege
3: well that's why de crackification of this country has to happen all right well thank yes. you mama
8: thank you and can i shout out my music on youtube of okay, course Under world queen 160 youtube look me up listen to my music i appreciate y'all love y'all
3: all right thank mama. you and all i right. i really want people to understand that there is a difference between gwps good white people and crackass ass crackers and, you know, uh, good white people, they don't like crack ass crackers either. And they use their privilege to combat prejudice. And we we, we thank them for that. But it's going to take all hands on deck to really implement decrackification in this country. But America definitely needs to be decrackified. I guess that's the moral of the story. That is definitely the moral of the story. And you got to watch uh, The God's Honest Truth every Friday night at 10 p.m. on Comedy Central. It's screaming on uh, Paramount Plus Right now, too, and it's on ComedyCentral.com. And you know, we got the DeCrackify America t shirts. All you got to do is go to MyShopify.com. <laughs> see, the, see the show.myshopify.com. Okay, and we got the good white people t shirts. So y'all need to go out. Y'all got to claim your set, bro. All right. For real, get you a I'm a, I'm a GWPA, yeah, you know me t shirt. <laughs> okay. All right. From see the show.myshopify.com.
4: All right, well, we got rumors on the way. We got to talk about Karen Civil. It got real spicy over the weekend, so we'll break What's it down. What's up with KC? Also, uh, shout out to Hampton University, HU, the real HU. We busted Howard down, and Whoa. I seen all you guys wearing well, your Howard, your little cute Howard T-shirts, cause Kamala Harris came to the game, and oh, you wanna ride Howard? All of a sudden, well, you got your ass busted. So shout out to Hampton University.
3: Pause, bro. What? You said they cute. You said you riding them. You said they bust. You busted their ass. Yeah, God so you heard, damn. You heard all of that. <laughs> yeah. All <I> right, write HU. HU. <laughs> <You're cute. laughs>
4: Rumors on the way. is the Breakfast Club. Good morning. The Breakfast Club. Morning, everybody. It's DJ, Nv Angela Yee, Charlamagne, the guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got some special guests joining us today. Yes, indeed. We have Stacey Tisdale. Welcome back. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you. It's a pleasure to be here. Now nah, I'm going to mess up your last name. <laughs> no,
8: you're uh, not. You went over it 20 times. Time. Hey, you did it right. Uh, That's right, good. Right. I've been practicing. You told me, and I've been practicing. <laughs> Say it again?
4: No, I'm not saying it again. I got it right the first time. Egeoma. I- <laughs> Egeoma. I-
2: yeah, the I is
6: like an E E a E. Happy New
2: Year.
4: <laughs> tell hey, us how to make this money. They say you help people make money. Tell us how to make this money. All right, Wait, wait, wait,
10: wait, wait,
8: wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait.
11: Okay, I was ready. <laughs> I think the teacher ready. She's ready. That's what I'm talking about.
2: So, okay, so my name is Terry. I teach people how to invest in stocks for income, and I'm so excited because I feel like people are ready for this now. Like 2020, everybody realized their finances weren't quite in order. Then 2021, they were like, okay, let me start paying off my debt a little bit, maybe invest long-term. And now 2022, they're like, you know what? I got a little bit of savings. I have a little bit like ready to invest, but I don't know what to do with it. So that's where I come in. But okay. what did
4: you learn first? Where did you learn all of this? Cause this is stuff that, you know, like, you know, Charlamagne and I were talking behind the scenes, they teach this to our kids now, but mm-hmm. we didn't have that knowledge. So where did you learn? How did you get into the love of stocks and making money?
2: Honestly, I'm similar. I was born with a single mother. We didn't know all this stuff either, but I went to a program in high school called LEED. And it was where they took kids from all, the, all over the U.S. that had good PSAT scores and then took us to business schools. Mm. So I went to Northwestern University and they took us to the Chicago Stock Exchange. So my senior year, I had learned at Northwestern, then Google had their IPO. And when they had their IPO, I asked everybody, I asked my mom, I asked my teachers, nobody knew how to invest. And wow. the shares were $83 a share. Yeah. IPO, Google, IPO, imagine that. Oh Man, like now they're almost $3,000. Like my whole life would have been different if we had known how to invest. Right. Mm-hmm. So that got me excited. Then I went to MIT and said, well, I'm going to figure this out myself because nobody knew how to do it. Mm-hmm. Went to so MIT. you never invested in Google? I did not till now. We wouldn't be
10: Well, she doesn't have to
2: sit here anyway. And we didn't have money either. So my and it's so was much like, more
6: accessible now too, with all these apps that make it a lot easier for people to be able to trade too.
2: Definitely. And they don't have uh, costs now. Mm-hmm. So now you can get in without the high commission fees. So you can trade for free. There's no no barrier to entry now.
10: Mm-hmm. And you got a whole sea change here, especially in our community, and that's what's so exciting. You have 60% of blacks under 40 now invested in the stock market. And the gap is closing now. Yeah, the investment gap closed in the the millennial generation. It's really making history. So we're starting this whole Invest in You campaign, which we'll talk more about, Take Your First Trade Challenge, because we have participation now, but now we have to add education to that and teach people how the market works. And then we can really, particularly our community, cause a sea change if Mm -hmm. we just collect our forces and move them together. But I'm glad we're talking about this today because one I was the first black and the first woman to report from the New York Stock Exchange way too long ago. And a lot of y'all new investors have never seen a bear market before. Yeah, and we don't want you freaking out and pulling out in the bear market. So um, it's really important that we're having this conversation now. That's why I'm excited, too, because a lot
2: of people were scared coming into the last couple of weeks of like the first couple of weeks of January coming into 2022. The markets have been down. And if people are invested in stocks or crypto, they're they're hurting. Right. And so now I think they're scared and then like seven is People,
6: black people are seven
2: times more likely to pull out when it's bad.
6: Yeah. So, and you see all these articles selling. that really scare you. They'd be like, Bitcoin is crashing. You know, we don't know how long this is going to be around. And then some people mm-hmm. doubt it. Other people have gotten rich off of it and been able to utilize it. So is it time uh, to but, buy when you see everything falling? Yes. That's what Warren Buffett says. So one, a lot
2: of black people only think that you can make money in the stock when they're going up but you can actually make a lot of money when it's coming down, that's called short selling. Everybody says buy low, sell high. You can actually do that in the other order. Like you can sell high first and then buy low second and still make the difference. Same thing, that's called short selling. Mm -hmm. Yesterday I made $46,000 because I was able to short sell. Well, we made money going up and then on the way down before that, we made money going down. Can
6: you walk us through a short sell?
2: Yes, say you borrowed my cell phone Mm -hmm. and then you sold it to DJ Envy for Mm $1,000. Now, you go on eBay and you find the same phone for $500. Well, you sold it for 1000 you sold it high, but then you bought it back low for 500 you got to keep $500, does okay. that make mm-hmm, sense? Mm-hmm. But all in one day? You can do it over time. Or, okay, It's trading just the same way, you can trade in a But it's the same day. exact stock
6: that you, okay. Yeah,
2: so like for example, if a lot of people were in Tesla recently, if they had sold at $1,200 and then when it came back down to 1000 they could make that difference. And then you pay 12. taxes, right? You when do you... pay taxes, but it's the same as you pay taxes on any job. Mm-hmm. So, like, I, I paid myself a salary from my course. It took out 41%. Right.
6: So Trust no me, we, we know our taxes up here
2: are,
3: right. are
6: crazy. So but let me ask you what, this, but you can reinvest taxes. back. If you reinvest and don't take it out of the stock market and put it somewhere else, then you don't have to pay taxes. Is that How does that work? Well, that's the same for real estate. Like mm-hmm. if you Your, your real estate yeah. is like that.
4: You could buy a house, sell it. As long as you put it back into another property, you ain't got to pay tax at that moment.
2: Exactly. But with stocks, you do still have to pay. Like oh,
4: you got to
10: Any realized gains, yeah. you're going to have to pay taxes on. You pay tax on what you mm-hmm. earn. But I think just to take a step back for a second, there's a difference between trading and investing. And a lot of us, we talk about the stock market. And I've always talked about the stock market as a great long-term investment, which it is over time averaged about 10% a year, which means like if you would have invested $100 at the start of this pandemic and left it alone and not added anything else to it, it would have been $180. A general rule of thumb for investing is that any money that you will not need in five years or less should be in stocks and you should look at it long term. And that's when you wanna build like a comfortable retirement and create financial security trading what terry is talking about is very different and that's where i we need you know people like her and people with her skills to walk us through that she actually gives people a trading plan and a risk management plan and i think that's why her courses sold over $40 million, you know, made over $40 million in sales. Your That's course nice.
2: made over
3: $40 million in sales?
2: It did. I'm the wow. number one investing course on Teachable. Well, number one course, period, out of hundreds of thousands of courses. And it's on investing, how to invest for income.
4: All right, now keep a lock. We have more with Terry E. Gioma and Stacey Tisdale. So don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Good morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Terry E. Gioma and Stacy Tisdale. Charlemagne?
3: Let me ask you, a Rich ass a question, right. <laughs> um, for the average listener that's listening right now, our audience, and they want to invest, right? I think I read a study where it's like over 50 percent of all Americans are living paycheck to paycheck. Mm-hmm. How do they do that?
2: So, I think that there's prerequisites to when you start investing versus trading. okay. I think as a tr- as an investor, so like I saw you all had E y l and Market Mondays yeah. and Wall Street Trapper and like I, Wall Street yeah, Trap. yeah, love all of them. When you're and they teach long-term investing, when you're investing, you can invest with any amount. like if you have a hundred dollars, hey, go buy SOXL or AMD, whatever educational purposes only not recommended stuff Mm -hmm. but (laughs) (laughs) gotta say (laughs) that disclaimer (laughs) but if you're a trader you're going to have to try to make a percentage of the cash you have so i try to teach people to make one percent of their cash amount so i think you do need about two thousand dollars in your account that's why i said now in 2022 i feel like people are ready i feel like they've done the long-term investing and now they have some money saved up and they want to make that work versus just putting it in a savings account so then it's like, okay, well, how do I pay for the things that I want versus the things that I just have to settle for? So for example, how do you pay for, I saw y'all had change for change. Mm-hmm. How do you pay for your rent going up because of inflation? How mm-hmm. do you pay for a guy had a, uh, it had a hurricane? There was a hurricane Ida mm-hmm. and yeah. You guys gave him money. Well, how do you pay for emergencies or daycare? I saw one of the girls. She had like eighteen hundred dollars. She was paying for daycare. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you trade the money you have to mm-hmm. pay for those things? Mm-hmm. So I do think it takes. You have to start with money, at least two thousand in your account, and then your goal as a trader is going to be to make one percent of that on a regular basis.
3: I'm glad you said that because a lot of a lot of people just think you can. I don't know what they think, but you got to have money to even do these things
10: for trading. Yes, for, for investing. For investing, you I mean, invest people, in you can. There's apps now that mm-hmm. you can invest. Long term mm-hmm. um, when it comes to trading a lot you're hearing all these stories of people hearing like get rich quick the whole GameStop thing and they're doing things like taking out credit card debt and spending their whole life savings to try to get in on this trading thing one you should never do it without an education or a guide yeah, get knowledge. and also never trade more money than you can afford to lose. Like and that, it's like gambling. It's like, it's, it yeah. is like gambling. So. so we should
2: talk about how to make it not gambling. Yeah, so There are ways to protect your risk, but a lot of people just don't know about them. Oh, you okay. so, break that down. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. a big part of my trade and travel class is risk management. First step is I'm a technical analysis trader. So I'm not just betting on something or not even use the word bet, but investing it's in something. It's not just a tip and you're like, let's go. Right. Yeah. My grandmama mm-hmm. said at the mm-hmm. barbershop, we should, <laughs> you know, like, no. Is actually looking at healthy companies. So first, that's one big part of it. What companies are you investing in? Then we have to look at reward to risk ratio. So I'm looking at te- at charts. I am a technical analysis trader. I hear a lot of people say like, oh, charts are too hard. I don't look at that. But if you want to have high probability, y'all know I'm an MIT girl. Mm-hmm. Like we like, did y'all ever see the movie 21. Twenty one. It was about a MIT group that went and card counted, and then they oh a whole I did bunch see that yes I did oh, yeah, yeah, in yeah, yeah, Vegas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like one of the things he says is he's like we don't gamble, we just take really high probability calculated moves, and that's what we're doing with charts. That's how you get more high probability calculated trades. So looking at your reward to risk in advance, you can actually calculate on a chart. When I get into this trade, the probability that I do well is three times my reward is three times my risk then the other part of it is there's something called a stop loss like being able to put in um, if it drops to a certain yes and that says and I know you have an investing club so you know this but if it drops to a certain place you can get out of the Mm -hmm. trade
6: I think a lot of people are getting into stuff with no exit strategy right Mm -hmm. and then and it's an automatic thing too like once it gets to this certain point it'll pull out It'll let you know to pull out. If
2: you have that stop loss in advance, you can calculate how much you're willing to lose. Trade and travel came from you traveling and trading. So can you talk about that? Yes, I was in education. My last job before I quit was assistant principal of elementary school, but I was miserable. But anyway, I decided that my exit strategy would be investing because I had learned about it in college. I had Mm -hmm. learned about it in high school. Yeah. And all I needed was $300 a day to replace my
10: income. And you started Um, with, that's what's really important when we're talking about trading. She mm -hmm. had a goal, okay, I need to earn $300 a day. So that's how much she was going to risk. But also one of the things that's so touching about you is you also wanted to trade because to cover your parents' medical costs. Yeah,
2: well, let me finish this because I want to tell you about the trade and travel. Like I was finally able to quit my job and start traveling around the world. And people started asking me, well, how are you affording it? And it was, I was trading stocks. I would trade to pay for the hotel room. I would trade. Okay, my <laughs> flight is three hundred. Or actually, like let's say I want to go to Greece. I I calculated all this on Instagram. Like if y'all scroll scroll way down on Terry Gioma, <laughs> like the the trip to Greece was thirty five hundred dollars. So I traded to get there. Wow. I said, okay, this is how much the hotel room is. If I can make you know four hundred dollars to pay for the hotel. Now I'm gonna, gonna want to eat when I get there, so I'm gonna trade to pay for the food, and that's how I I traveled. And I was gone. I went to South Korea, Thailand for a month, Vietnam for a month, Australia. But all that time, just trading what I needed to pay for the travel. Wow! And now people ask me to teach them, and now I'm teaching them how do you trade for what you want. I yeah. love the fact
3: that you didn't stay in a job that you hated, because what happens is you'll grow resentment, and you was you was with kids, so you'd have been projecting all of that on those kids so i really i really respect that part of the story
2: thank you and i feel like i was because i remember this one little i had (laughs) i had mainly black black and brown this one little hispanic girl she was the cutest one day she must have seen me crying in the bathroom she came and gave me this flower that she had made in class and she just gave me the biggest hug i i know they saw it well hopefully i was masking it good enough Mm -hmm. but
3: but you knew when to exit,
6: though. Yeah. So that's why you're a good trader. You, y- exactly.
11: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And
10: honestly, those skills
6: helped you develop a course as well. hmm You know what? The
2: biggest things that helped me develop the course were my mistakes. When I first quit my job and was traveling full time, I'm not going to pretend like it went well all the time. Like when I first quit, I had my biggest loss ever. I invested in Pandora and Pandora stock just went straight down. But at the time, everybody says, invest with what you know. And I was, it was on my phone and Pandora was going inside of the uh, TV. And this is like Pandora stock is not around anymore because they sold to Sirius XM. So, right.
6: mm-hmm. so you can do this. Right. right.
2: <laughs> but like every like I woke up overnight, I had traded earnings thinking I was going to be rich the next day, woke up the next day and I had lost twenty six thousand in a day. Ooh, and, and for educator, like I didn't have a ton of money. So I was crying thinking I had to go back to work. And the thing was, I I realized all the things I had done wrong, my quantity size was too high. This is back to risk management. Mm -hmm. Quantity size, I had 8,000 shares. And the thing was, I thought I was gonna be rich the next day, so 8,000, if I make a dollar, I got, no, but I I lost. Mm. And so overnight it was down $3, I'm down $24,000. So that
6: that first lesson is, don't uh, do what you can't afford to lose.
2: Yes. And watch your quantity size. And like, your quantity size. And mm-hmm. In the course, I actually have a formula. How do you calculate your quantity size? Then another thing that I did wrong was um, not having the stop loss. It fell and I didn't have any protection. Mm-hmm. Then I didn't have a plan of, okay, when I didn't even have a target in mind. So once it started falling, I just flipped out. I right. called my mom, was like, I'm going to have to get a job again. <laughs> and <laughs> And I just let it go and it kept falling
10: that's what you have to watch out for
6: and
2: you start thinking maybe it's going to go back up right (laughs) that's why you need a trading plan so that you're not managed by your guts and emotion but you Mm -hmm. know the steps
10: the biggest money hopefully more will come another day but the biggest money flow i had in my life was when i worked at a technology firm and they gave us stock options Mm -hmm. i remember overnight i was like a millionaire on paper and these options went to whatever but i and i wasn't familiar with them I had no plan in place and it started dropping and dropping and you just get that mentality. Oh, it'll go back up. Oh, it'll mm-hmm. do whatever. Yeah. Went to nothing.
2: There's a lot of people that are that's that's happening to them right now, especially with crypto mm-hmm. and even some stocks. They've they've been told so long to just buy and hold, which is over time a good strategy. But what what do you do for your life right now? You're rich mm-hmm. on paper, but you're broken your real life. And that's why trading is important because we can help you to fund things in your life right now while the other things are still working.
4: All right. Now, keep a lock. We have more with Terry E. G. Oma and Stacey Tisdale. So don't move. It's the Breakfast Club. Nice Morning, show. everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne Tha Guy. We are the Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Terry E. G. and Stacey Tisdale. Now, how much is your course? How much is the
2: lesson? It's five dollars mm-hmm. mm-hmm. I Have a VIP eight week program that's five thousand. But you can get in for half of that at twenty five and we have payment plans.
3: Now I saw something, and correct me if I'm wrong, you made over sixteen thousand people millionaires, or is that just
2: No, okay. altogether we've all those sixteen thousand people in the course are making millions. Got and you. they that's actually right. like show us screenshots of how they realized profit and and they're like showing us. So we have this thousand dollars in a day club. If they make over a thousand dollars in a day, they send us their screenshots, send us their trade, and then we send them a plaque. So we know that we've had over 1,600 in that club that we've like sent plaques to and many more that just haven't sent in the screenshots. So we know if you got even a thousand people making a thousand dollars in a day, then that's a million dollars that we can generate in a day from trade and travel. Now, for people who are like, this is expensive, can you explain why it's worthwhile? Because the classes that I took were $30,000. So the actual investing knowledge is actually really expensive. This is a discount to that. So when you look at the, like, what other classes are out there, and some people will say, well, what about YouTube? Some, my granny told me, sometimes you have to pay for convenience. Mm-hmm. Like, yes, you can go to YouTube, but it might take you a lot of time. You may not know what exactly you need. What's You're getting true, too much not. information. Yep, yeah, what's true, what's not. So this is all into one class. I've already detailed out what you need in terms of how do you pick the right company? What's the Mm -hmm. risk management? How do you do charting? How do you do short selling to make money on the way down? How do you do gaps and globex, How do you trade options? Mm -hmm. Like everything's in there. It's actually not much when you look at the other courses out there and then think about how much you can actually make right a lot of the students within a couple of can trade to pay pay themselves back
3: yeah Yeah. that's why I asked you about the 16,000 because those success stories are important because people will hear that number and be like well she made 40 million dollars who is she made rich she's just hustling
2: yeah yeah well and several of them have become millionaires I do know some that I have made millions but I just don't I don't want to say like I don't want to say oh yeah I made a Mm -hmm. whole bunch of millionaires no I've taught a lot of people how to make $300 in a day, $200 in a day, pay for it. Which day, is good day. money. I and
6: mean, it's about yeah. those goals. And like you start, do have to do the work yeah, too. Mm-hmm. You
10: you can't take the course and not do the work. Yeah. Goals and freedom. And I know when you first started trading, one of your goals was that you're like, your mother couldn't afford anesthesia.
2: Oh yeah, back to what, yes, yeah. the dignity. So um, anybody here had to ever do a, a like really expensive medical thing?
3: Like what per, operation? Pay for an operation or yeah. procedure? What for my
2: mom it was her dental work. She had to get like oh, all yeah, her yeah. teeth taken out, and it was really expensive.
3: Mm-hmm. I paid for dental work.
4: Yeah, uh, yeah. Most insurance only cover I think like maybe a thousand dollars for cleaning yeah. or, or for root canal
3: or. We talk about right? cosmetic. That cost, If you pay for somebody's cosmetic, it costs a lot. That's that. Yeah, that's out the
2: pocket. But either well, cosmetic and just like she was in pain. Mm-hmm but the doctor had told her that they were going to do the surgery without anesthesia Ooh. yeah because, no way not, because not they that. Thought she couldn't afford it they were like oh well you know anesthesia is going to cost you like an extra 500 dollars." the nurse was basically telling Jesus. my mom like well you can't get this surgery because you can't afford it and my mom because i had actually given her money for her medical bills was able to say no that's fine i'm going to get all four of them done at one time <laughs> and she told me terry she called me something else but she told me terry Money can't buy you happiness, but it can buy you dignity. Mm. I was able to be in that chair and speak up for myself because I could afford the surgery. How time consuming is it to trade? It depends what your goal is. So if your goal is to make $200 in a day and your account size is okay, you might be done in 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. But I do say people should, especially in the beginning, you should budget at least four hours a day. If you can't do that, like as you start getting better and better, it'll go down. Like some people, they'll do one hour in the beginning of the market and they'll trade that or they'll trade the last hour of the market. I do think like when I was an educator, I would look at my phone in the beginning of the day. Mm -hmm. I'd go do whatever I had to do as a principal, come back, check it at because you can trade on your phone. I would check it at lunchtime. That didn't take long. And then um, at the end of the day at night before I went to bed, that's where I would do my real homework of looking at the stocks, looking at the news, looking at the charts and then I'd be ready for the next day. Right, so when they open in the morning, you know what you want. Yep.
3: So what's the call to action? I know we're here for a call to action today.
2: I'm gonna to teach people how to actually get invested and take the first trade. Okay. Because I feel like there's a lot of people that are just scared, and they haven't done it yet, and they're looking for like, okay, I need somebody, to like a teacher, to like walk me through mm-hmm. step by step. So we're going to do a five day challenge Mm -hmm. and for five days live, I'm going to be with the ladies and we're going to like teach people, okay, how do you open your account? How do you place the trade? How do you exit the trade? And this is so you can get the income, but so that when Google comes by the next person, they won't miss it like I did. They'll know how to actually get in and out.
10: Yeah, The actual challenge starts January 31st and you can go to takeyourfirsttrade.com and start signing up now. And it's a five-day challenge, and like Terry said, we're gonna, the first day you're going to learn how to open up an account. Mm-hmm. Then we're going to teach you a little bit about the markets on the second day. Then you're going to learn how to buy a stock, learn a little bit more, and on the fifth day you're actually going to sell a stock. And does it cost anything to sign up for the five-day
2: challenge? It actually does. It costs fifty-five dollars.
10: Okay. Yeah, fifty-five dollars. Super,
2: super low. But we wanted to make sure that people did do some investment because you, you, you actually are more dedicated when you pay something than mm-hmm. if you don't do it. They anymore. say that about online dating too. <laughs> 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 they but definitely Well, give me your
4: website again so people can get in touch with you and maybe they want the full course, you know.
2: Yeah, if you want the whole trade and travel course,
6: go to tradeandtravel.com. tradeandtravel.com. Trade and yes. But if you want to get started with this 5-day challenge, which I'm doing too by the way, well, cuz well, I'm more well, of a long-time you. investor, so I haven't done trading. So, I think you're going to love it. And you don't have to have
2: all of your money in one or the other. You can do both. Right. Yeah. yeah. So want to be little diverse. Out, and then you can learn how to make some income with a little bit of it. And as you become a better trader, then you can decide to move more there.
10: What's the website again? TakeYourFirstTrade.com. And if you want to see more
2: about me, yeah, everything is on trade and travel. So YouTube, trade and travel, Instagram. It's trade, T-R-A-D-E, and all spelled out, travel on Instagram, too. I actually put, I made a million dollars in a day, so I put up the screenshot of that, too, so they can see how you do that in Instagram.
6: Alright, I'm in. Wow.
2: We're in.
10: Yeah. <laughs> so, are you guys gonna take your first trade challenge?
6: I am. And you said we should have at least $2,000, right? I got
4: somebody that does yeah, it for me. Saved
6: up. Yeah. You know what?
4: I, you know what it is? I'll be honest with you, right? I always feel like I go to professionals to do something, so I hire people to do certain things, right? Because I can't watch it. Like, I got too many things, so I hire people to look at my stocks i hire people to look at real estate i hire people to do different things because i don't have the time
10: but that's more Mm -hmm. of an investing than a trading this Uh, is this is new you're right Uh, it's all making money yeah all the Mm -hmm. whole thing about the stock market is you know do your long term investing and leave the trading for the professionals but everything changed as you know trading became more mainstream and technology changed everything and people are trading now and now the what they have to do is do it with some education, mm-hmm. do it with some guidance. And that's why when people hear things like $5,000 for a course, and think of it as school. You're actually learning you know how to train. Because
4: like there's so many people like get people. like That's the reason why we even started doing the, uh, the real estate seminars, because it, people were charging people so much money, mm-hmm. but yeah. not teaching them stuff. You know what I mean? And then saying, OK, after you get to this point, you need another thousand dollars for this right. and then yeah. another. And that's right. why we started teaching people how to do real estate the way that we do it. And we not charge. We charge ninety nine dollars, and we really only charging for the venue.
10: And it's yeah. a great.
4: It's I, a great thing. What and, you're doing with real estate I you, investing. I know is you great. get a lot of people that charge people a lot of money and don't really get them, give them anybody. And, and I'm sure people yeah. come to you and be like, I went to this person's course and I learned nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's, it wasn't that's, organized. The, that's what makes me happy nothing. so much when they say they come, they go to another person's course and learn nothing, and then they come to your course and be like, I learned so much.
2: Yes, that's why I'm excited
10: that I have so many students that I have because it's word of mouth terry is just such an example of what investing can do she's living her best life and she's paying it forward she doesn't have to do this we had a nice conversation the other day i was asking her why is she doing this i was looking at this 40 million dollar house that she's renting in puerto rico and she's building another one and i'm like why are you still doing this and she was like this is my fun yeah
2: this is my ministry I, I went to seminary. she you, so you got a preacher here. So I feel like this is my minister, or my ministry, who I can actually help. But
4: well, leave us on a prayer.
2: Want me to pray for real?
4: Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And don't turn down no too. prayer. <laughs> in there too. Don't <laughs> on you, Wait, nobody. Let me get the tray. Look you look pray whatever's on your heart. But you, but you can throw <laughs> some money in there, too. We okay. got
2: Well, real quick, dear Heavenly Father, I just pray for everybody who is listening and under the sound of my voice. Lord God, please, Lord, just continue to bless them with wisdom, bless them with understanding, Lord, and then just... Your, your word says that you will be everything that we need. You will supply everything that we need. So, Lord, I just ask that everybody lean on you and then continue to bless them uh, financially, health, security, just everything. In Jesus' name, we dearly pray. Amen. 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 Well, thank and you you for take
10: joining care joining us. First, thank you trade.com. so much.
6: Terry Ejima, Stacey Tisdale, my partner in Wealth Wednesdays. We're getting ready to start this trading and make this money.
4: All right. It's the Breakfast Club. Good morning.
10: This going to be a donkey because right now you want some real donkey, 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 donkey.
0: It's time for Donkey of the Day. So if you ever feel I need to be a donkey, man, hit me with the hero. Uh,
4: Did she get donkey in the name? Please tell absolutely. me. Absolutely. I have become Donkey
3: of the Day. At the Breakfast Club, bitches. You're a donkey. I feel bad. I really feel bad no, I feel I feel bad. With, we were talking about yes, Squid I Game don't. behind the scenes, and we all finished it. We didn't realize our guy Nick didn't finish it. We spoiled Y'all don't it. Care. Him. I didn't know. I didn't you guys all
6: morning know. he didn't finish it. He walked out earlier, know. saying that okay, you can talk about Squid Game when I leave the room. But that's I after hear We him. already
3: spoiled it. That's right. Anyway, donkey of the Dave goes to a 43 year old man named Kevin William Teague. Okay, Kevin is from the Michigan area, and I swear, in my old age, I just be feeling sorry for people. I'm serious. I used to come in here and just want to give people the credit they deserve for being stupid. But when I hear certain stories like this one today, I feel bad for Kevin because clearly, clearly something is wrong. All right. We have to recognize when mentally someone is not where they need to be. And I have empathy for those people. I just do because I think some things are just out of their control. Some things are above them. And I feel I truly feel like this is one of those situations. Now, with that said, Kevin is a home invader. Okay, if you wake up in the middle of the night and a stranger is in your house, doesn't matter what his or her mental or emotional state is, they probably getting shot. Okay, well, at least in my house. Facts. All right, now I will send him and his family healing energy after the fact, but hey, that person made a choice to break it into in my house. I don't have time to figure out if you know if they're mentally unwell. Now, that has nothing to do with the story I'm about to tell you because Kevin broke into someone's house and he lived to tell about it. And in fact, he didn't just live to tell about it. He lived to ask the police for help. Uncle Charlotte. Brother Leonard. what are you talking about? He lived to ask the police for help after breaking into someone's house. Well, let's go to Newsnet for the report, please.
11: A Michigan State Police trooper from the Cadillac Post responded to a breaking and entering complaint at a home on West Ridge Drive in Williamsburg. The homeowner reported she was watching television in the living room when she saw a man enter the room. She originally thought it was her husband. However, when she realized it wasn't, she screamed. Her husband came downstairs and told the man to leave. The trooper searched the area and located the suspect, 43-year-old Kevin William Teague from Williamsburg, in the backyard of his parents' home nearby. When the trooper attempted to speak with Teague, he fled into the woods. Later that evening, Teague called 911 to report he was lost. When troopers arrived, Teague flagged them down, and he was taken into custody and lodged in the Grand Traverse County Jail. Teague was arraigned for one count, breaking and entering without permission, and one count resisting and obstructing police. He was given a $1,000 bond, and his next scheduled court appearance is on October 26th.
3: There is a phrase, God watches over babies and fools. Babies, maybe. It's possible, okay? God isn't a babysitter per se, but he will give the mother the scrimp to hold it down. But watches over, not watches. It's a difference, all right? The fools part, I don't know about that because, Kevin, I don't know if that was God watching over him or just the luck of the draw, okay? It's great Kevin didn't get shot in these people's house, but why would God be involved in this? Why would God have sent this fool, all right? To do the break into someone's house and then have him run off into the woods and get lost. And then this man felt like he could just call the police because he was lost. Never mind the fact he just committed a whole crime. Never mind the fact he was in the woods hiding because of a crime he just committed. I'm going to call the police and tell them I'm lost. You don't think they're going to have questions on why you just randomly in the woods at this time of night? What you going to tell them? You're camping? Huh? You hunting? Just taking a walk? Y'all do realize narcissism is considered a mental disorder, correct? Because there is no way you commit a crime and then think you are able to call the police because you're lost if you're not a narcissist, all right? I... Honestly, I can't even continue this story until we play a game of guess what race it is. Maybe this will give us a better understanding of this situation, okay? Kevin William T, 43 years old, broke into someone's house, lived to tell about it, fled into the woods, then had the audacity, the unmitigated gall to call 911 to report that he was lost. Angela Yee, guess what race it is?
6: Well, I'm going to have to say he is Caucasian. What
3: makes you say Caucasian, Angelie? Yeah?
6: Well, you know, we don't call 911 like that. And then he probably <laughs> said, I didn't know you couldn't do that. In the words of Dave Chappelle. <laughs> All
3: right. Kevin William Teague, 43 years old, broke into someone's house and fled into the woods, then called 911 to report that he was lost. DJ Envy, Rashawn, yes, guess what? what race it is!
4: I'm destroyed on this one.
3: Why are you destroyed? All right, because
4: it's I'm in the middle, right? I'm going to tell you why, right? At first, you Dominican? No, oh. I'm not Dominican. I'm black. But I was thinking black at first because I can see a black person getting stuck in the woods and then hearing animals and being like, nah, F that. I'm calling 911 to get out. <laughs>
3: <laughs> okay.
4: But... If we did something illegal, we just we just try sit to sit in the woods, dug yeah, it, it out with them bears, it out with them bears, because we ain't calling no police. I'd rather face. be
3: with these bears than be in jail.
4: Yes, yeah, so I gotta go with Caucasian.
8: Shake
3: it up, shake it okay, well, I want Angelie and DJ Envy to know that you both are correct. Kevin William Teague is a Caucasian. And he had the call Gassidy, the unmitigated white privilege gall, to break into someone's house, run into the woods, get lost, and then call the police to help him. Mm, 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 mm. And his bond is only $1,000 for breaking and entering without permission and resisting and obstructing police. And he resisted and obstructed police without getting shot. Well, if you'd have said that, I definitely would I know away. I didn't want to give that one away. Okay. Please give Kevin William Teague uh, the biggest hee-haw.
8: Hee-haw. <laughs> Matter of fact, let Kathy
3: Griffin get some of that.
8: Please give this giant jar of mayo the biggest hee-haw.
3: Chelsea Handler, what Chelsea Handler at?
8: Hee-haw, hee-haw, that is way too
6: much Dan Mayonnaise.
3: There you go. The Breakfast Club.
4: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest in the building.
3: I don't know if we call him a young legend or just a legend, you know what I mean? He's a staple in this He's game
4: with a young face.
3: <laughs> with a young face? Marlon Wayans is here, what's up, what's my up, brother? What's up, man, how you doing? Never not working.
12: You know what? I would've been a damn good slave. I swear <laughs> to God, i am I'd like, I got all this cotton. Y'all chill, I got this. They
3: would've gave me a raise. And then you came in here exhausted, like literally. Like you sat down and you was like,
6: oh,
12: my man. bones hurt, man. I had shoulder surgery three weeks, three weeks ago. I've just been, you know, because from doing stand-up so mm-hmm. much, I got arthritis, bursitis, and tendinitis, and a tear all in their shoulder. So I was doing that. Stand up doing nine, ten shows a week, and that wears it out. So I just got it reconstructed. I'm ready. I'm back on that stage, and uh, I'm actually going to be in New York this weekend at the uh, Gotham Comedy club, just working out.
6: You might have to get one of those mics that just attach on, or something like that.
12: Why? Oh, so the Janet get... Jackson
3: headset joint. Yeah, but yeah. I
12: don't want both hands free. Okay. I, I I like the microphone. It's a prop. It, it, but what about it, your shoulder? It makes it's a club. You can knock somebody over head with it. it. It could be a dick. You can make it whatever you want. <laughs> a dildo. Word. You know what I mean? No, a <laughs> wand, a yeah. sword. So I like having the mic because it, that's the beauty of imagery. Like you have a mic, you have a light. You have a stool. Give me some drunk people. I can make them laugh anywhere.
3: You think stand up is a lost art?
12: No, I think it's the found art. Mm-hmm. I think it's the only place you're gonna be safe to say what the f you feel. Mm-hmm. Soon everybody gonna need a stage. You going to need a stage.
8: <laughs> <Where> they, <laughs> I don't trust can- that either.
12: Where
3: they cancel, you, know, <laughs> you say it on stage, you good. I don't think you good on stage no more either. I think I, you. I think you just got you can't. You just can't give nah, a f- on stage. You think so? Yeah,
12: you good on stage because that's what they come to see you. Mm-hmm. If people cancel you for a joke, those people that cancel you. Ain't give a f- about you in the first place. Yeah. People that love you, they come for the crazy sh- that you say. They want you to say the sh- that everybody else is scared to say. So you know, I I think it's a lost but a found art form. I I love I love stand up as much as I'm doing this drama stuff and I do my movies and my TV shows. Stand up, you know that. That's my passion. That's my freedom every week. And I just get to express and talk and find it, you know. And I, I've been doing this so long now. I, I just got I a special drop in uh, oh, HBO 19th. Max. Yeah, on the 19th mm-hmm. um, on HBO Max called You Know What It Is. And then I already <laughs> got a brand new two, three hours I'm fing with right now.
6: Well, let's talk about it because we did get an advanced screener. So, you know, I had a chance to watch it. <laughs> and you did address your cheating scandal. Oh, yeah, that a- happened. Yeah, that
12: happened. It- that. You went right into making it hot, man. You well, we opened the water in the I right can't time. Have my, my envy water. I can't have my Angela Yee juice. I, we gonna right into cheating? How we start the gay baby or something? You know? Let's start with outy belly Work our way into the ending. Yes, I did.
6: Yeah, but I guess that's something that you kind of have to do, right? Like you don't
12: have to. A lot of people. Step it's over. hard not to,
6: though, because people think about it. And then it also is, like you've said, you can make anything funny.
12: Well, it's not. Well, that's part of my healing process. So, mm-hmm. you know, as much as it may be for I could make anything funny to me. Funny that's That's right. Yeah, for real. But honestly, um, you know, I, I'm glad that God gave me a microphone because I get to talk about my truth. And as long as you talk about your truth. You can't hurt or offend others. You know, the person that was in it with you, you know, we laugh about it and just like, my my best friend, my ride or die, I love that woman to death. All right, now, we don't have sex, but still, she got the card, she got the house, she, her house better than mine, I'd be jealous, <laughs> and we never went to court to talk about the, those kind of things. That's my family, I love her, to, love her for life. But, man, nah, I f up.
6: One thing that people have to think about, too, when something like that happens, what about the kids? What do the kids have to say to you when you come home? Because they see everything online. You
12: know, because the kids feel for mommy. You know, niggas, we make stupid excuses. First thing I say, well, and I knew I was on a boat with another woman, but you get seasick. <laughs> <laughs> I would have had you there, but you don't like boats. <laughs> but we never not of me. I swear I was making the, 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 a little bit. You say dumb shit, man. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, and I said, this was true. I said, the dumbest shit. I got caught. I said, uh, "Ans, I said, I know there's pictures with one girl, but there was like seven others on the, <laughs> the boat. You should have seen this <laughs> that was happening down below." <laughs> but it's not, oh, it was funny to me, <laughs> and I was able to make her laugh at the time. But I felt like man, it's like you know, there's no, um, there's no, no amount of sorries you can say except for. You are sorry. Yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm a sorry-ass <laughs> n- My bad. And that's something that you're going to regret for the rest of your life.
3: You think your success took a shot at you because you're so famous that they're taking pictures of you on a boat?
12: Nah, I actually that was the first time I felt successful. I, thought, I, I, I was like, I'm be a beauty pageant. I want a look at my ass right there. That one ass, it wasn't a fly picture either. <laughs> in the little, you know what I'm and it wasn't like a cool picture with. I had floaties. I don't to swim that well.
6: <laughs> I had those little, you know what yeah. i They put on yeah, kids on. Yeah, 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 had floaties. They yeah. had <laughs> one of them little boys and the kick on. And that's what happens when you're famous, when you fly, places. I wasn't that famous be, So you, thought, you just made $100 I, million. I, I'm just
12: now getting
3: famous. No, no, my no,
12: famous
6: no, is just now, no, now no, started. No, no,
3: you done had a sitcom on network TV. You know, like, come on, bro. All this Netflix stuff. Come
6: on,
12: bro. But still, all that was like building up to, you know, this new shit. This is this is when my best years are, are ahead of me. I always say first thirty was learning and now these next thirty is executing, mm-hmm. you know, while mm-hmm. I still got a, a young face. You Do you know? still have
6: Google alerts for yourself?
12: Yeah, I got Google alerts. I, I, I say dumb shit all the time. So if they gonna cancel me, I wanna know when they're gonna cancel me. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You can't get canceled if you don't know what's going on. (laughs) I don't want to know what's going on. You don't want to know? Um, I I
12: don't don't have have it either. Yes, I I do. That's the worst. You wake up like, no. what you mean I'm canceled? You get 150. It ain't your birthday. You got 150 messages. That's right. That's how you
6: know something happened when you wake up in the morning. I need to
12: know. I need to know. (laughs) I need to know. To know, I gotta call my brother's name. It's Keenan Show. Can y'all do a press conference for me? Somebody does Keenan even know what that is? No, Keenan, Damon, they <laughs> don't even deal with Twitter. <laughs> they don't deal with mm, Keenan. Tell you, they try to cancel, and they can't cancel me. Now <laughs> I already canceled myself. Them, I don't need to be on their networks. Keenan, funny like, my brothers don't subscribe, that's why they don't tweet, they don't Instagram, they don't do all that mm-hmm. because. They're just like, why put yourself out there to be a target? Yeah. That's I don't real. get paid to post pictures. I get paid to do movies. Man, that's true. That's It's real. like, you know, so if I'm going to get canceled, let it be doing, you know, on a stage. Mm-hmm. I, at least I'm getting paid to do the show. That's my last check.
4: Make it a good one. All right, we got more with Marlon Waynes When we come back, don't move. It's The Breakfast Club. Good morning. Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne Tha Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Marlon Wayans. Yee.
6: Did you take anything out of this special? Because there were some edgy things on there where even I was like,
4: huh? This is one joke
12: that I really love that I took out. I didn't want to, <laughs> but HBO Max
3: was like, listen.
12: <laughs> they,
6: they were like, eh. What was it about? Just
12: that one.
3: <sighs> OK, <laughs> you want to stand up to do it? or you yeah.
12: going, no, no. I don't
3: <laughs> <to do> <laughs> Okay, so <laughs> you can't get cancer if you're standing up now. You don't get cancer if you're sitting down. <laughs> the
6: views by are Marlon not put in my are special. not the views of the Breakfast Club. No, go ahead.
3: <laughs> oh yeah. <y'all>, oh. That <laughs>
6: <up>. <laughs> Angie's
12: juice inspired this joke, <laughs> and Envy's water, and Charlemagne's book. Actually, I got it out of Charlemagne's third book. Um, all right, so it was, <laughs> it was because I talk about my my daughter when Mm -hmm. I talk about her being gay and how acceptance right and how love is acceptance and you know at the end of the day the message is always about love and acceptance that's my child and I try to speak to fathers out there who are you know especially old school point of views like yo I'm not accepting my kids in in that life and it's like at the end of the day it's still your kid Mm -hmm. and I talked about how I went to performing arts high school and to this day I still have gay friends and I still you know hang out with my gay friends and when you know, and that's why I consulted it when, when it was time for me to find, figure out like what to do with my daughter. I sat my gay friend down and I asked him, you know, what do you do? And um, he goes, well, and he'd made this noise with his mouth. I was like, and I was like, hey, you just pull off and imaginary that to answer my question. Cause he made that noise that I can't make. It. And then the audience laughs. And I said, that's not the worst thing I said to him. I said, listen, we gave people a great sense of humor. I actually said something darker to him, but I'm not gonna tell people what it was because <laughs> I felt like to get upset. Mm-hmm. And then the audience egged me on. It's like, tell us, tell us, <laughs> tell us. All right, and I said, all right. And I, I, I y'all ain't gonna judge me. Nope. No.
6: Maybe. You really to judge you're me. You
12: sitting there like this. You a comedian. All right, so then I said, I said. <laughs> uh
6: oh, he thinking. I no,
12: because I said. <laughs> I said, hey, I forgot. It's so funny. It's
3: so funny watching they your publishers out there. They're like, oh, my God. They're looking in here like, no, don't
8: do
12: it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
12: and I said, and he goes, my gay friend was like, I was born this way. And then I said, I said, oh, really? I said, really? No, that's it. but then. I said, well, who, who, so, what's, and then I, hush, little baby, don't oh my say God. A word. Like, the baby, dad, kind of, <laughs> the joke, <laughs> and the audience, like, laughed. They <laughs> lost it, and I got a big, huge round of applause just because I. And said that because yeah, yeah, they yeah. didn't think I was gonna go there. They and They were like, them like <laughs> and it was like, yo, that shit is dope. And they laughed. It was one of my favorite jokes, but I was just like, I don't know how mothers over the age of white mothers over 47 would enjoy that. And for my white female audience over 47, I chose to take that joke out.
3: I can see the think pieces, Marlon Wayne's they're not funny. <laughs> <laughs> okay, there's nothing funny about that, Marlon
12: Williams. Okay. I can Bro, was, imagine. Here's the wild part. Is I didn't just do the hush little baby. I did the whole f-ing lullaby. You did the whole song? <laughs> the whole lullaby. <laughs> and it just gets more and more uncomfortable and funnier and funnier. Marlon
3: Williams is funny. <laughs> I can see the fake pieces right now.
12: (laughs) But here's the thing, ready? There's funny in every f***ing thing. I don't care what topic it is, there's funny in everything. Now, it may take you time to find it, Mm -hmm. but there's funny in everything. You can't tell somebody how to feel about what they went through. That's their therapy is going, Mm -hmm. oh, you know what's funny about this And that's the beauty of comedy is no matter what. We decide to talk about if, as long as you are talking about your truth. As long as you are talking about a perspective that um, isn't uh, you trying to bash, but you're trying to enlighten. I think you could talk about anything. Every
3: time, every time I tell the story about how I got molested at eight by my cousin's ex wife, and I always say, you know, I made her stop because she had a jerry crow and I didn't like the smell of <laughs> her jerry crow. You see what I'm saying? I've been telling every time. That's the same reaction every single but time. But look at her.
6: She's like. That's you see what I am saying? I've heard, I've heard, heard it too many so judgmental. I've heard it too many times already. But it's funny every time. Every I hear. time. But it's a true story. Because <laughs> I, I, I would be the same with it.
12: I'm um, not trying to go down this rabbit but, hole with other women. The way a dairy curl
3: smells <laughs> is like. That's how I felt <laughs> when I was eight. I was like, I don't like the smell of like jerry dairy curl. It's sticky.
12: It's on my hands. It's <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, your mom <laughs> could tell who it was. It was your auntie. Why? Because <laughs> look at your lap. All that glycerin's on your. That's what that is. I know it was uh, uh, Aunt Larita. Oh.
6: Now you know who's gonna cancel you after this special? Uh-oh. People with Audi belly buttons.
12: Oh, but I, look at that. I canceled it. them years ago. With <laughs> yeah, Audis, Marlon. You gotta see this special. I grew up. Where'd you grow up, South Carolina?
3: Monk's Corner, South Carolina. go?
12: See, okay, so you know what the fuck I'm talking about. Yes. Yeah, it's the Audi belly button kids. They're just badass fucking kids. It was always the nigga with the Audi belly button that was the bully in the hood. And they and never wanted to have s- had
6: their shirt on either. They, they, they had never them. had, they, they <laughs> always had,
12: and they were buff at fucking four years old. And so I talk about <laughs> Audi belly button people and how they're terrible human pe- human beings. So Audi belly button people, please um, watch this. It's no offense to you. It's more <laughs> offense to your belly button and how you're raised. But
3: <laughs> the funny part is, somebody can write a think piece about that too. Marlon Wayne thinks people with Audi, a- belly, Audi belly buttons <laughs> are the devil. Like, what?
6: Can you, fix, <laughs> can you fix that if you have an Audi? Like, get serious.
3: Black people try. They put a quarter. You ever seen somebody with
12: a quarter <laughs> tape to the belly button or a nickel? <laughs> <laughs> Brothers try to fix it. Just sleep them. Sleep the on his stomach. You'll be all right. <laughs> I don't know where the fuck it comes from, but it always scared me. Right. And so in my special, I just, I talk about my fears and that's one of them. It's, listen, what I like about the special is it starts weird. Just off the cuff. Starts weird. And then it just keeps going. And then it gets like, okay, then you, after the first eight minutes, you enter the special, and you realize that oh, shit, I'm on a journey, mm-hmm. and you know I, I get to talk about my life, my truth, you know my fuck ups, mm-hmm. and um and 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 poke fun at
3: it. It was crazy. I'm just, it's just, I'm just realizing. I don't think you've been here in two years. August, maybe in 2019.
12: Yeah, you ain't been, you've here been here two years. we are in a pandemic. <laughs> you in I
6: know, either. Yeah, Angela, <laughs> I She happen. sat at home was like I'm
12: gonna make Angela Yee juice. That's damn right. And envy was like I'm making envy <laughs> water. This tastes just like water. I wanna- <laughs> <laughs> it <is>. <laughs> oh
3: a little old baby.
5: <laughs> all
4: right we got more with marlon Waynes when we come back don't move it's the breakfast club good morning the breakfast club
6: don't
4: be- power
0: 1051. The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never be the same.
4: Morning, everybody. It's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the Guy. We are The Breakfast Club. We're still kicking it with Marlon Wayne. Yee.
6: You see now, uh, Robin has come out as as bisexual. And I see a lot of people weighing in on When did that, that happen? <laughs> it just came. That just happened. Like as soon ago. as they put my character <laughs> yes. on on, so the n**** got
12: to be bisexual. <laughs> <that's a> bitch. <laughs> Why they put this on the on the brother? <laughs> White Robin the kid is now Black Robin. Um, I didn't know that. I feel like, you know, with the way the world is, at this point, everybody needs some representation. Everybody should have some type of hero. And who cares? Like, I mean, I think it's dope that, you know, it progresses and that he goes the way he wants If it, If that's what he wants to be, that's what I'm, look, my daughter needs a superhero, so hey. Congrats Gay Robin My daughter would love that She'd be like Go, Yes Robin Yes
3: So for everybody Like that oh, was beautiful Yet another reason why In Living Color should get more credit Cause everybody was represented mm-hmm. On In Living Color That's Everybody say, yeah. It was a diverse cast And every character Y'all portrayed was I mean handicapped people Gay people Like Even transgender. They,
12: they say that and Living Color couldn't exist today. I I, I disagree. Right. I don't think the world would be as sensitive if In Living Color did exist. If Ooh. we did, people go, you can't do a White Chicks too. Sure we could. I think White Chicks 2 would actually be better given this climate than than it was, it would be more successful than it was because people are looking for people to just can f- say it. Everybody's so scared to just say sh-. I'm going to say it, and it's oh, I've always said it, but I always say it with mm-hmm. kids' gloves because our intention is never to dismantle or hurt people. Mm-hmm. Our intention is to bring people together with a laugh. That's what I love about my shows. When I do stand-up, I can have a point of view over here and somebody else has a point of view over there, but if I get them all to laugh, then we're agreeing about Absolutely. something.
3: I would argue that if we laugh with each other and at each other, yes. we all normalize each other, regardless of what it is. Growing up. That's all we did was snap on each that's other. Right. Black people, white people, Puerto Rican that's people,
12: right. Dominicans and Puerto Ricans who go at it. And that's what we did. Who's to say you can't say this? Sometimes you make your best friends by talking shit about people. That's right. Some <laughs> we got cool
3: talking shit about that's each right. other. <laughs> I was like, oh yeah, that,
12: that was a good one. Hey, was it was motivation. One.
3: When Marlon told me I peaked that life, <laughs> <laughs> I said, I really gotta do more of myself. <laughs> he told me I peaked that life. But I was like <laughs> Have I? I'll beat that light. <laughs> Did I say that? I, don't know. I was trying to get nuclear. I went nuclear.
0: I was just like, ah, oh, yeah. <laughs> like,
3: all your best days are behind you. All right? <laughs> like, I'm going to write a bill. This. This. I'm going to do nine podcasts. I'll show that tomorrow. Who picked that light,
2: mother?
3: <laughs> and I'm living at home with my mom right now because I just got fired from Whitney. <laughs>
6: Like, what the oh, f? <laughs> wow. That's I didn't know the effect of that, like, wow. Cause you feel like, I might as well go for it. I'm wow. <laughs> he was
12: a talking back in the day. He was an back
6: in Like, the for day. no
12: reason. It was just like, why do you <laughs> like this? Like, trauma. And then he, like, trauma really?
3: Yeah, hell yeah. Was, yeah I was like, a hurt person, and man. Plus, I was
12: a little mad at you, cause you made my, you and Wendy have f with my sister. And my sister, Kim, is the sweetest. I remember Sweetest, that. most intelligent, the diagram of what a great black woman should be. And they went at my sister. Why and I, would I was you do like, this? nah, you, don't ain't know. The with me. Don't. you ain't about to. I put me ain't. I thought I went sh- at Sean. No, nah, you went at Kim. And that's why Sean got mad. You went oh. at Sean afterward. And Sean's you like, f- that's my
0: sister. As he like,
12: should have. Sh- Sean, we in New York, now. That was right. that felt like all right, Kim. I'm gonna f this nigga up. You get windy. That, <laughs> 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 yeah. But so that when we had the Twitter beef, that's when I was like, oh,
6: fine. <laughs> But send him our love. I
3: sincerely apologize. <laughs> I was a different person Aww, back
12: then. Oh, that's sweet. Thank you, man. No,
3: like, no. I, pre- I appreciate absolutely, it. absolutely, you. absolutely. Black woman and deserve that. Now
12: absolutely. I know we're
6: also here to talk about respect. We have to oh, yeah. discuss that. Aretha Franklin. Yes,
12: because I, uh, the Aretha Franklin biopic. First and foremost, Jennifer Hudson is amazing in this movie. When you mm. see when you see this woman's work, I couldn't believe that I was watching this woman do this. Like, and it wasn't like she was trying. She had no fear. She would come to work. She's singing Aretha Franklin, take after take after take, live. Wow. Never ask for hot water and lemon. I was like, or oh, honey, <laughs> <laughs> God is in her abdomen. Like she was so damn good. And she's like, I felt like when I was going to, to work, I was like, I'm I'm going to watch Jennifer Hudson win, a, win three Oscars.
6: And you played wow. her abusive...
12: Uh, abusive husband, uh, Ted White. Ted, Ted yeah. White, and it, which was different for me because I I've never seen my dad strike my mom. I didn't grow up in a household like that. My mm-hmm. Wayne's household was not like that. That's why me and my brothers were respectful men. We'll walk away before it get crazy. If mm-hmm. it, you could light my house on fire, I'm still not gonna hit you. Mm-hmm. And no nothing you could do to make me come out of my character. So I really had to dig deep to find that. And I thought, what would make a man hit a woman? And I thought a damaged man Mm -hmm. would hit a woman because he's trying to damage her because damaged people damage people. And a damaged man is really a hurt little boy. And so the insecurity and the jealousy, him trying to control her, sparked the abuse. Mm. But I wanted it to come from a place of love because when a man meets a woman, he loves her. He wants to rescue her. He's coming as the knight in shining armor and that was his intention. But he failed her because he just was nothing but a hurt little boy. And that to me, I wanted to do that because I wanted to represent for all the women that are in abusive relationships and people go, why don't you just leave him, girl? Mm -hmm. It ain't that easy. Mm -hmm. When you fall in love, and that's the beauty of this movie, is you see us fall in love and then you invest in the love. And so it's not that easy to leave somebody because you're trying to rescue people from each other's damage.
3: How'd you prepare for the role, though? Like, I mean, because you keep talking about, like, the, I guess the hurt, Little boys, so did you have to tap into like the trauma you, some trauma you experienced as a child? I or? mean,
12: I seen. I, I mean, you grew up in the projects, you mm-hmm. see, you see, you see people get their ass whooped all the time. Yeah. So I thought about past relationships that, uh, that I knew, girlfriends of mine that have been in uh, abusive relationships, or you know, um, family members who have been in abusive relationships. So I kind of tapped into that, and then I read Iceberg Slim's book, Pimp, mm. and Pimp is the thing that made mm. me realize that all monsters aren't monsters, they're really damaged little That's boys. It. And Iceberg Slim, in his book Pimp, he's, he was became a pimp because he was mad at his mother because his mother left his stepfather, who was the only man in his life that he loved, and she around with another dude, and she left that man who was really good to him for another dude, and he was like, Bitch, I hate you. I'm slapping bitches for
3: life. And that's what he did. I think they're saying you got to go. Oh, got to but, go. But, but, well, Before, I, I, I'm, I'm canceled. Being that this is my no. last interview. <laughs> uh... I, I do want to ask you about this because I thought this was good speaking of motivation. Say, Chris Rock heckled you do her, during a performance. Well, yeah, that You name. quit, <clears throat> quit, quit stand-up tw- for 20 years.
6: That must have been a bad really? heckling. I,
12: don't, <laughs> what? I, I was like, Chris? Because I didn't know it was him. Yeah. I was, you know, I was uh, 18, 17. I'm doing stand-up. And I, I hear, and I'm like, you know, you're trying to find it, and you're like, what else? How about some f***ing jokes? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, so what else is funny? I don't, I don't know, know How about you tell us it's funny? <laughs> what? And he heckled me <laughs> the whole time. But understand, in the comedy game, it's, it's a fraternity.
3: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know,
12: and my brother's probably with Chris and Chris was heckling me. Oh. That's part of the fraternity. But well,
6: thank God that didn't happen and go viral like it would have today because... I
12: would have loved it. I, I mean... Oh, no, here's that's hard. Well, here's... That's the beauty is now I'm the baby of the bunch, right? Mm-hmm. So all these... Sh- is Chris gonna get old probably faster than me.
3: Yeah. And, <laughs>
12: and I... And I'ma catch that <laughs> old on stage. And when it's seen I'll ask go, what else is funny? I don't know you old black n <laughs> How about you <laughs> tell <laughs> us where your jumps
6: at in your pamper. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because I saw him performing um, at Dave Chappelle's summer camp, and he was a little rusty because he hadn't performed in a while. So he had notes and everything. That's oh, what you should have got him. should have got, got him so right No,
12: You can't get Chris. Chris
6: Chris, a
0: goat. Yeah.
6: Chris, Chris is a G and game. But he made it funny that he was rusty. But he-
12: see, here's Chris, right? Mm-hmm. I, I performed, it's me, Dave, Chris, Jon Stewart, Michael Shea, Donnell Rawlings. He's down at the stand. And Chris was going to go up. And before he goes up, he goes, I got nothing. I got nothing. <laughs> I, s- I was like, Chris, come on. Stop with that. B- you have n- 37 specials and you have nothing. I got nothing. He goes on stage and he got nothing. But this mother lit the room up. Wow! Like lit it up. Mm-hmm. He just read it out, wow. of, his, out of his cell phone. He's yeah. wow. reading text out of his cell phone. Lit the room up. He gets off stage and he does this. And he goes, I said, I thought you, I thought you said <laughs> that. nothing." he goes,
3: it's with the Michael like, Jordan show. <laughs>
6: <Jordan's laughs> <Like,
3: laughs> Three pointer. <laughs> you yeah, got Gotham all weekend? Gotham all weekend.
12: But thank guys,
6: you haven't peaked at life. Yes, no, I, I, I'm just beginning. Why should <laughs> I come in next time and you find out I'm on the boat with nine bitches <laughs> and I get caught
12: out there. And I got to break up with three or four baby mamas. Listen, I, I'm making it interesting.
6: And when you watch the special, just watch what he has to say about him being with a white woman and how mad.
3: <laughs> what? <laughs> now they're going to cancel you. Now oh you don't want too far. Now <laughs> you don't want too far. <laughs> what is hot. you see? <laughs>
12: <laughs> I think I did
3: at life. <laughs> well, Respect is out August 13th. Yeah,
12: th- August 13th, and my HBO Max that's special. Today. You oh, know today, what it yeah. is. You got to watch. You know what it is on HBO, HBO Max. Max. Oh, you know what it is, my second special. I also, I'll be in uh, Donya Beach, Florida, at the Donya uh, Improv. Donya Beach Improv. Come through Fort Lauderdale. Let's that's, that's, this weekend. If you wear weekend, a mask, okay, are they okay. gonna, is yeah. the
6: governor going to kick you out? Yeah, they kick you
3: out if if, if you do wear a
12: mask.
6: <laughs> if you got a vaccine,
3: you can't get in. <laughs> <laughs> so go check out Respect today. Day. It's Marlon Wayans. Thank you for coming, brother. Appreciate you, my yes, guy. Yes,
0: sir. Yes, sir. You're checking out The Breakfast Club.
4: Hey, what up, y'all? It's Dej Envy here. It's all fun and games, so someone screenshots your message. Say goodbye to Morning After Guilt with Dat Chat. This new encrypted social platform can help you stay truly private. No screenshots, recordings, or leaked messages. Get Dad chat for iPhone and Android at the App Store or find it at datchat.com forward slash Envy.
0: The Breakfast Club. Your mornings will never
4: be the same. Morning everybody, it's DJ Envy, Angela Yee, Charlamagne the Guy, we are The Breakfast Club. We got a special guest with us this morning. That's right. Dr. Peniel Joseph, And I just found out it's from Queens, New York.
3: Yes, absolutely. I read an amazing book called The Sword and the Shield, written by Dr. Peniel Joseph, one of the best books I've ever read. Um, I got around to it about a year late. I know it came out last year in March, but I got to it about a year late, but it really explores the revolutionary lives of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and Brother Malcolm X in a very humanizing way. Like, Like, what made
9: you want to explore them the way that you did? Well, I've always, you know, I'm going to say what Muhammad Ali said about Mm -hmm. Malcolm X. He said, I fell in love with Malcolm X when he was debating people and talking to people about black history. So I fell in love with Malcolm X um, by the time I was eight, nine, ten years old. Mm -hmm. Uh, The Eyes on the Prize documentary series came out. And this is before Denzel's brilliant movie came out in 1992. I was 19 when movie came out. Um, so I've always loved Malcolm X. I think my love for Dr. King has come as I've gotten older, as I've become a father, as I've become um, just a, a deeper adult, because you see, one, how uh, Dr. King was radicalized in part by Malcolm X, but but I've also come to see that uh, certainly we need self-defense, what Malcolm X talked about, but we also mm-hmm. need the beloved community, uh, what Dr. King talked about. So mm-hmm. my my whole thing was seeing how they – they went from being rivals and adversaries to being each other's alter egos. What did you learn
4: a lot of this? Because, you know, in, in school, especially growing up, they touched on a lot of it. You know what I mean? It wasn't so deep. Like, it was the I Have a Dream speech. It was a little bit of Malcolm X. So what made you want to learn more about these characters, Malcolm X and Martin Luther King? And-
9: you know, it was growing up in New York City, MV. You know, my mother um, was part of hospital workers, uh, SCIU 1199. And so we grew up in a city where we talked about social protest i was a freshman in high school when michael griffith was 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 murdered uh, in december of 86 in howard beach a white mob chased them out into the highway and the brother was just destroyed by 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 a fast moving car and was trying to figure all this mm. stuff out in new york city so this is before david dinkins uh, this is when eleanor bumphers who is a black uh, grandmother was murdered by the police at in her own home. And so all of that got me interested, but then certainly Eyes on the Prize premiered in New York in 1987, uh, 88 on PBS, Channel 13 over here. And we grew up in a New York City where Channel 5, before Fox News, we used to watch the drive-in movies. And you think about Wu-Tang, they talk about Shaolin. Mm-hmm. We, 3 p.m. on Saturdays, this is before cable, this is before everything, we used to watch uh, uh, you know, kung fu movies, right? So it was this idea of you were watching kung fu movies, hip hop. Run DMC lived on Hollis right up the hill. So we used to see Run DMC. We used to be able to go to shows. They used to play at times right in PS34 Park. Um, but there was all this racial segregation. Ed Koch was the mayor of New York, uh, Ronald Reagan was the president. All that got me interested in Malcolm X. First time I read about Malcolm, my mother had um, the autobiography of Malcolm X in the house and I read that and that just got me going.
3: Man, how old are you? Cause you were talking like you're 50 something. You look like you in your late (laughs) 20s. He was born in 72, bro, 72. Okay,
9: okay. Yeah, I'm 48.
3: Okay, wow,
9: (laughs) man, what you vegan? A lot of water. <laughs> a lot of water. A lot of been practicing uh, yoga for 23 years. OK, OK. And uh, yeah, all, all that good stuff. Yeah.
3: Now, now what does the metaphor of, of, in the book's title, The Sword and the Shield, refer to?
9: I'm glad you asked that. So we usually think about Malcolm X as the political sword of the black freedom struggle. And I even write in this book, Malcolm served as black America's prosecuting attorney. Mm-hmm. So he was prosecuting. Uh, the United States for crimes against Black humanity that dated back to racial slavery. Dr. King is usually think, thought of as the the shield. He's America's apostle of nonviolence. Where uh, Malcolm is Harlem's hero of self-defense. We we think about the ballad or the bullet speech. We think about Malcolm with a rifle by by a window, and that's an iconic picture. What I argue in the sword and the shield is that both Malcolm and Martin are both. Malcolm X is not only the political sword of the Black community, he becomes our prime minister who goes to Africa, the Middle East. He becomes El Hajj Malik Shabazz, and he wants to build a beloved community as well, but one that's rooted in truth and the truth of not just racial slavery, but our West African and our African heritage. So Malcolm is a Pan-African all day, every day, but he's also a Muslim. He's also a radical internationalist. King is not just somebody who's a man of peace. He's a man of peace. He's a man of God. Both of them are men of God. Um, but King is also this nonviolent revolutionary. King becomes so revolutionary after Dr. Uh, Malcolm X's death. He he's no longer on speaking terms with the president of the United States because he comes out against the Vietnam mm-hmm. War and he starts to say things like all white Americans have unconscious racism. He says the halls of the U.S. Congress are running wild with racism in april fourth nineteen sixty seven at the riverside church in new york he says that the greatest purveyor of violence in united in in the world is the united states of america mm-hmm. so that's the revolutionary king who goes to places like marks mississippi and tells poor black people that during reconstruction they were promised forty acres in a mule they didn't get their forty acres in a mule but he's gonna lead a poor people's caravan to go to Washington D.C. until they get the forty acres and a mule. Mm-hmm. That's Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. So he's both a sword and the shield, but Malcolm is as well. And what I argue in the book is that the person who most influences Dr. King's radicalism is Malcolm X.
4: You know, they all, you know, Charlemagne always talks about how Malcolm and X, Malcolm X and Dr. King, uh, Dr. King spoke. Do you think they were assassinated because they were possibly going to join forces and come out together, and that would just be too much power?
9: Well, I think they definitely are assassinated because they represent a threat to the American political system. Um, I think that they would have gotten together. They spoke together once on March 26, 1964, at the U.S. Senate. But one little known um, aspect that I get into in the book is that Malcolm saw King in Harlem uh, December 17, 1964. He was sitting next to Andy Young, Andrew mm-hmm. Young, a former mayor of Atlanta, a former U.N. ambassador and he heard Dr King give a whole speech after King won the Nobel Peace Prize and not just that he speaks about that speech in Harlem a few days later and says that it was a terrific speech he's impressed and he goes to Alabama to visit with Dr King and Dr King's in prison and he visits instead with Coretta Scott King Dr King's wife and really political partner we think of uh Coretta Scott King as just his wife she's a brilliant organizer political partner intellectual she's his 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 better half let's let's face it and so when we think about Malcolm Malcolm was ready to join forces with King but on his own terms he wasn't gonna do the same thing he Malcolm always believed in black dignity uh, King believed in black citizenship over time. They both come to believe in black dignity and citizenship and Malcolm X defined black Dignity as the end of world white supremacy. All right. We got more with dr. Peniel Joseph when we come back
4: Don't move it's the breakfast club. Morning everybody. It's D.J. NV, Angela Yee Charlemagne the Guy we are the breakfast club. We're still kicking it with dr. Peniel Joseph Charlemagne.
3: Let, let's let's dig in on that a little bit more because I love the concept of radical black dignity It's weird because I've I've read the autobiography of Malcolm X a few times Love Message to the Black Man by Elijah Muhammad, swear by those books, but I don't remember that concept, you know, explored as much as when I read The Sword and The Shield, and I even incorporated a lot of the concept of radical black dignity in a commencement speech I gave for South Carolina That's State, great. you know, about a month ago. But can, but can you dig a little deeper on what that is? What is radical black dignity?
9: Radical black dignity for Malcolm X is radical black political self-determination. So what that means is that Malcolm absolutely had this external critique. He critiqued white supremacy. He critiqued institutions that were brutalizing black people, the police, the whole deal. But he also expected a lot of ourselves. So Malcolm defines radical black dignity as black people coming to understand and love themselves through the pain and trauma of racial slavery and segregation and brutalization, that we have to understand that but we have to not be as hard on ourselves as we usually are because Malcolm criticized us for loving white people and loving white supremacy too much but what that meant was that we weren't able to face How we had been subjugated, how Mm -hmm. how we had been subjugated during racial slavery. Reason why Malcolm X goes to Africa three times, because people don't talk about the 1959 trip to Africa where he's in Egypt, he's in the Middle East, he meets up with President, Vice President uh, Anwar el Sadat, he meets up with Prince Faisal, Saudi Arabia, the whole deal. Malcolm went there to the Middle East and to Africa even before he takes to Hajj because he knew that Black people had a history before the Middle Passage. So part of that dignity was we understood that yes, not only had we been uh, kings and queens, and obviously not all of us were just kings and queens in Africa, but we had a history before the U.S. We had a history before European. Uh, I won't even call it conquest, but being captives here and really. Recreating Western civilization through our own protest. Another part of radical black dignity is black beauty and black love. Uh, Malcolm, uh, following Marcus Mosiah Garvey, believed in the beauty of black people intrinsically black women, black men, black children, black babies, black neighborhoods. So mm-hmm. when we think about this idea of self determination, and my final point is this is why Malcolm has a critique of racial integration, not because he doesn't want. An equal society but Malcolm was horrified by the fact that it took troops to bring black children to school in Little Rock Central High School in 1957 mm-hmm. whereas King writes a, a, a telegram to President Eisenhower applauding that in September of 1957 Malcolm is angry and, and mad about that why it's a sick society where our children little black girls and boys have to be guarded by troops to Mm -hmm. go into a high school or elementary school and that's why malcolm says American democracy is nothing but American hypocrisy. That's right. And very famously, he says, "You can't put a knife nine inches in a person's back, take it out three inches, and call that progress. That's right. You haven't taken out the knife, and you haven't even acknowledged the wound." So, black dignity is us understanding our own struggle, loving ourselves through the joy and the trauma of that struggles. Remember, the reason why Malcolm X is the best order in American history, it, it, and I th- I'll say Dr. King's number two. The reason why Malcolm's the best, Malcolm has a great sense of humor. He actually forces us to confront uh, this through through different parables. And when he talks about house Negroes versus field Negroes, he's talking about black dignity, but he's also talking that we have class tensions in our own community. Um, sometimes you'll have historians and scholars to say, "Well, the house Negro, field Negro is more complicated than that." Malcolm's given us allegories that everyone can understand. That's why he says, "Make it plain." So the house Negroes were black folks who had more identification with white supremacy and white masters. And that's why Malcolm says, when the white master got sick, the house Negro said, We, we sick. sick. Right? And, and field Negroes, Malcolm defined them like he defined himself black people who were catching hell every day and who were bold enough to resist uh, against white supremacy. So black dignity is huge, huge, huge. And this is why when we think about the Malcolm and Martin, the dichotomy and the convergence. It's only because of Malcolm X that Dr. King starts talking about black dignity. Dr. King starts saying black is beautiful and it's so beautiful to be black. Dr. King by 1967 tells us that they even tell us little white lies are better than black lies. Black lies. That's Dr. King only because Malcolm X had taught all of us about black dignity. Before Malcolm, we were all Negroes who turned into black people because of Malcolm X.
3: In the book, you lay out how they each become the other's alter essentially to me that's what the book is uh, uh, ultimately about can can you explain it
9: absolutely when we think about Malcolm and Martin over time dr. King becomes much more of a radical and a revolutionary speaking truth to power in an unapologetic way in the tone of Malcolm X my great example there is when dr. King is in marks Mississippi in 1968 organizing the poor people's campaign he tells the poor black folks in marks Mississippi that the way they are living is a crime That's the exact language that Malcolm X used to use about this crime against black humanity that had occurred for Malcolm. It's the ballot or the bullet speech. The ballot or the bullet speech is the first time Malcolm X acknowledges the need for radical black citizenship. He had always acknowledged the need for radical black dignity. But Malcolm Hedges, he doesn't believe in American democracy. Never does. He believes in what black people. He says, the reason why I think we should do the ballot or the bullet is that I want black people to have a chance to utilize this political power and see where it gets them. Remember, Malcolm X had been in prison. Malcolm X's father had been killed early. Um, He always felt it was a white supremacist attack. His mother had been institutionalized. Malcolm had seen what I call the lower frequencies of the United States of America. So he was always skeptical about democracy working the way in which white people pretended it worked right. But what he did was he had faith in who black people. He was schooled by his mother, Louise Norton Little, who was from Grenada, so Malcolm has Caribbean blood Mm -hmm. as well as the African, African African-American blood. He was schooled by his father, uh, Earl Little. He was schooled by the Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Mm -hmm. but he was also schooled by all these revolutionary leaders in the Middle East and Africa, right? So when you think about Malcolm becomes closer to King through this acknowledgement That we need to end worldwide supremacy, not just through self-defense, but we're gonna need that beloved community. But Malcolm Hedges he says, one, I only believe in black people vis a vis this democracy thing. But two, he says that white people and his language is this: sincere white people can be part of the movement. What did he define as sincere? He defined it sincere as what Du Bois called abolitionist democracy white people who are going to be willing to put themselves on the line, right, to transform the entire world. So Du Bois always said and W.B. Du Bois is the 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 intellectual who was the founder of the NAACP, one of the most important intellectuals ever. But what he wrote in a book 1935 called Black Reconstruction was he wrote the true history of reconstruction. He pushed back against the lost cause history that had said we were apes and monsters and we were raping white women. He showed how Black people tried to reimagine American democracy, and the only reason the country exists in the form it exists now is because of our labor, our sweat, our sacrifice, our love, our patriotism, right? And so when we think about Malcolm and Martin, Martin becomes closer to Malcolm where he becomes this unfettered revolutionary, becomes a pillar of fire, an Old Testament prophet. He's Amos, he's Jeremiah, he's Moses by the end of his life and Malcolm becomes closer to King where he starts to say that not only is he a prosecuting attorney he becomes black America's Prime Minister in the last year of his life Malcolm X had an office at the United Nations Malcolm X could go and speak to Qu- Prime Minister Kwame Nkrumah in Ghana he could speak to Nnamdi Azakiwe in in um, Nigeria he could speak to Muhammad Babu who's the Prime Minister of Zanzibar so that's when he becomes closer to Dr. King so they really um, converge and you could see the 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 love and admiration that Malcolm has for him when he he tells uh, Coretta Scott how much he admires her husband mm-hmm. in Selma. And when you read the statement that King sends after Malcolm's assassination, he, he expresses his admiration and says what a what a great man Malcolm X was who was constantly changing. So you can see the convergence between both of them, even in their lifetimes.
3: Let me tell you something, man. His name is Dr. Peniel Joseph. The book is The Sword and the Shield. I'm not even exaggerating when I say it's one of the best books that I've ever <laughs> read in my entire existence on this planet. I think everybody should go out there and get The Sword and the Shield right now. It explores the revolutionary lives of, of Malcolm X and Dr. Martin Luther King, Jr., I, I can't wait to just read more of your stuff, Doctor Peniel.
9: Well, thank you, uh, Charlemagne the God. It's it's been great. It's an honor. It's a pleasure to be here. You're an icon. No, um, stop. So so, so I, I'm I'm really appreciative of uh, this opportunity and to to chop it up with you, to dialogue, especially as somebody from uh, New York City, a native New Yorker.
3: It's Doctor Peniel Joseph. It's the Breakfast Club.
4: Good morning, everybody. It's DJ NV, Angela Yee, Charlemagne the God. We are the Breakfast Club. Charlemagne, you got a positive note.
3: I sure do. Uh, Healing yourself is connected with healing others.
0: Breakfast club, bitches. You all finished or you all done?